I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. And you're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Herpeticulture Network. I'm doing it. You did it. So I took it upon myself to mass message all I of see that. And Billy Jenkins is a Benedict Arnold trader because he said that we're three minutes late and he just lost, and we lost a subscriber. Oh no. Oh no. We know Billy Jenkins didn't, but I know. If it was a complete stranger, I'd, I'd like sorry. Their loss. My apologies for being late to a free podcast. The nerve. <laughs> At least it wasn't me for once. For the record, you... I was I was here before Phil. He was. He was. And he's like, oh, man, I may have to restart my modem. I was like, just do it now. There's 40 seconds. <laughs> Knowing damn well that modem takes like five minutes to come back. Well, we're down There's to no seven, show last week seven now, watchers. <laughs> Oh man. Big whoop. What are you drinking? What is that can? <clears throat> Prime fruit punch. Is it just fruit punch? Oh no, it's fruit punch with a bunch of caffeine and uh taurine and electrolytes, zero sugar, three hundred milligrams of electrolytes to be to be exact. Oh my god. And it's and it's vegan. Not that that matters. I'm not vegan. Wow. All right. Well, Kicking it off prime. Zero sugars. I don't know. They're good. I like them. It's got coconut water in it. That's good. Well, it must be healthy if it's got coconut water. And it's vegan. It can't be bad for you, right? Yeah, exactly. Vegans are like the healthiest people I've ever seen. Yeah, I know. They're all like fit and muscular. Muscular. Yeah. The the absolute pinnacle of health. the, of the human picture, perfection. The poster child. Yes. The textbook specimen of Homo sapiens. 200% your B12 DV. Um, you're wrong. It is actually 150%. So eat that, Billy Jenkins. Yeah, Billy Jenkins. Fuck you. You my fucking doctor? <laughs> oh, man. It's 150% B12, another 150% B6. So do that math. Billy Jenkins would be the one to have like a secret PhD that he just doesn't tell anyone about until it's absolutely necessary online. 15% of my magnesium for the day and 4% of my calcium, so I don't even have to drink milk. (laughs) What has the show become? Eat shit, Jenkins! (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, Sang Stogies episode 176. Oh, yeah. Brought to you in part and in total. By blackboxcages.com. If you need a rack, yes, finish that because I got to look at this trip you just said. It's got weird chemicals oh, in God. it. So now I got to investigate. If you need a rack, if you need an enclosure, if you need some PVC, reptile, and amphibian goodness in your life, go to blackboxcages.com. We all own their products, we all stand by their products. Um, I, in the process of doing a, a three foot slider gila monster enclosure right now that i'm painstakingly meticulously 
changing over and over again because I'm a perfectionist in that regard. Um, but yes, blackboxcages.com. Check it out. Uh, if you want something tailor-made, they will do it to a certain extent. Um, just talk to them. Hit them up. One of the few companies where you can actually message them and they will actually respond and respond within a reasonable time frame with a reasonable time frame and the best shipping of any enclosure in North America. I can say that with confidence. They've, they've been through the trials and, and tribulations of how the, uh, the fine folks at FedEx and UPS handle packages. And so they've, they've, they've tweaked their shipping accordingly so that it's FedEx man proof because sometimes We've all seen boxes, and it's like, how did that get like that? Yeah, it was like someone took their rack and threw it into the, uh, uh, like a tiger enclosure and let them just go to town on it. So, yeah, as someone who has purchased rack racks online and had them show up looking like they got run over by a forklift because they probably did, and they were broken from said forklift, it was not blackboxcages.com. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, Another thing we don't have to worry about shipping on is shirts. You can get this one that I'm wearing, one like the one that Phil is wearing there, fullviceapparel.com. Use the code THN at checkout just for THN listeners and people and viewers like you. Subok hat is not available yet. I gotta, I'm going to place a hat order for Okatee hats and Subok hats and some other stuff as soon as work slows down a little bit, which may not, it may never happen at this rate. I don't know. Um, Use code THN at checkout, 10%, 15% actually for you, all the fine people that that listen and watch us. Uh, and Trippy said, there's an app called Yucca. You scan the barcode and it tells you what kind of wild shit is in anything. Ignorance is bliss on that one. So Yeah, I'll, I'll concur. Uh, it's got electrolytes. It's got coconut water. As concerned, it might as well be regular water just caffeinated i feel hydrated certainly better than than the arnold palmer there that that phil has the, how did the you know water. how did you Cause know because I, I i recognize that i've worked at walgreens forever man we sold those things like crazy i love me some it's arnold literally palmer. like a, like if you took water and you just put a bunch of pennies in it and you drank it that's what that tastes what? like no it's delicious you're out of your mind it's not i like to get through like half of it and then I water it down a little bit and throw some ice in the Ew. bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I do have something to talk about. We have, to, we have other sponsors. Speaking of ice, we do. I'm going to okay, get to that okay. in a second. But uh, Puget Sound Pythons, check them out. Facebook, Instagram. Give them a follow on uh, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Morph Market. My brain's all over the place right now. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm, I'm trying new, to read while I'm talking. They, they got a new baby blue tail monitor. Watch the shenanigans, the interactions. They are named adorable. it Toothless. Oh, brilliant. They actually didn't. I tried to convince them to. I was like, name it something original. Oh, that's, that's super Ka, cute. They should have. Or Nigiri or Nagini or whatever. It was like pretty much something original. Be, be clever. Something, be, be something that stands out. Well, regardless of their name decisioning, decisioning, decisions, decision making decision making check them out good people good animals dude awesome did possums. you see the wedding video no not yet it looked i don't know how much they paid peter jackson to film <laughs> that shit yeah that good huh? holy crap 
it's on it's on uh i think jeff's instagram you should go you should go watch it all right all right i'll go watch it i'll watch it it was insane i was like i don't usually like get emotional about weddings and stuff but i was watching it like oh my god like this is is that a tear i feel <laughs> is a tear welling up nagiri nagini ka all original names they could have gone with because no one names any of their animals that. I like Vic Lorana says Joanna. Yeah, there you go. I, I, I like that. That was that's good, Vic. Oh, and Vic, I just I was just taking pictures of your milk snakes today, so we'll throw them up a little bit. Um, what about us not so fine people? Do we get the discount? You do get the discount if you're listening to this and you're on fullvisapil.com and you buy yourself some stuff. Use that code. Uh, it is a like I as far as I know. You can buy it in Europe now. Like I set it up to where people can buy in the UK and Germany and like all the major countries, Mexico included, Australia. The problem is, is I don't know if I did it right. So I have yet to get an international order, which I don't expect to get a lot of. Honestly, I set it up there for the the two people that might actually buy something. Um, So (laughs) it's there. Give it a shot. I did have someone message me and they're like, would you rather me... Have you shipped to Canada or Ireland? And I was like, either is fine. Like as far as I can, as far as I know, it's it's going to be the same process. So we'll see. I don't, I don't know, but because there's this whole thing with like duties, like people have to pay duties on on things that come in. Um, and there's like the whole VAT thing, which is something that the EU does, but. I thought that I had to do something about that, but it's only if you're in the EU does the VAT thing matter. Yep. And it, it's just, it's very confusing. It should not I, be this I confusing. buy stuff from Germany all the time, and it's crazy how the shipping is like $10 US. And I mean, so we're talking small packages, and mm-hmm. it still gets here in like two weeks. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. it's German efficiency, but you know what I mean? It's yeah. not as difficult as people think. So if you are international, try it. Smitty will make it work. I will. I don't know how long it will take to get to you, but it is available in pretty much all uh, all all major countries, large countries. Made I don't know what the terminology is. Uh, what else? Damn it, I'm struggling. You, you're, what are you you're, smoking? What are you smoking tonight? Well, before I smoke. The 300 I'm, milligrams of electrolytes and caffeine are f- f- coursing through my brain. Right, because you're drinking you're drinking canned poison. By the way, oh, I already have me- it's gone. Metazotics in the house. What it do, baby? Um, hey. hey. So, because you're drinking poison, which is delicious, you really like should fun. find a better, more natural, delicious form of caffeinated beverage. Do you think I should? You think I should switch to Monster? No, I think you should go to Cold-Blooded Caffeine. Oh, that's right. And check out their fine selection of coffee products from but around the world. Don't just go to coldbloodedcaffeine.com. I mean, do that if you think about this at some other point. If not, just right. there's a link down below. And if you go to that link and you, you happen to grab something, gives me and Phil a little bottle walking around money, not a ton. Pays Philly for a needs, coffee. Philly needs a new pair of shoes. Get those sweet, sweet beans. You know, there you go. He needs a new pair of Yeezys. <laughs> Help him out. 
So you just recorded an episode of CCR and wanted to pop over and say you guys are awesome. Strong arm, strong arm thing. Listening for my drive home heart. Thanks, Clint. What a guy. What a guy. That guy. That's awesome. That guy. We love that guy. We love CCR. Kaluber Kaluber Radio. Check it out on the NPR network. But while you're checking out Kaluber Kaluber Radio on Morelia Python Radio Network, which is the better do it. best podcast in 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 hermeneutics right now. It really is. I mean, let's just let's just be real here. I would um, honestly prefer if you all just dropped everything you were doing and went and listened to that <laughs> after our show. After our show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but while you're doing that, you should be sipping on a delicious, warm, snow ice. Elegant, elegant beverage, even if it's on ice, from cold-blooded caffeine. God made coffee for it to be poured cold. Anyway, cold-blooded caffeine, check them out. Snakes and Stogies brought to you by white monsters and camel lights. <laughs> so true. So not so wired. True. <laughs> My God, I made some All honey right. chicken for dinner. That was. Off the chain. Oh, yeah? I had Chinese food. So, uh, tonight I'm smoking an old favorite. I couldn't make a decision. I don't know if, if people have this problem often, if maybe I'm just a weirdo who has too many cigars in my humidor, but I could not make a decision as to what to smoke tonight. And I thought to myself, when's the last time I had what I consider old faithful? And I couldn't remember. So, tonight we have... Liga Privada Numero Nuevo. Oh, yeah, those number sevens. <laughs> what about you? Uh, warped bits of Havana Selección de Capital. Oh, nice box press. This is one of the newer releases, I believe, from Warped. It is a Mexican San Andreas wrapper over Nicaraguan binders and fillas. Uh, surprisingly, I guess it's not light for a, a San Andreas wrapper, but it's definitely not as dark as like a Neanderthal. Um, but Kyle Gillis, who owns and runs Warped, is a very, very good blender. He makes some absolutely fantastic cigars. In fact, my round two, pending we get to that point, is this other... Uh, one that warped released not that long ago that I have smoked before, but I don't remember the name of. Uh, it's a good little little Maduro. But yeah, football Jets fans out there, sorry, always next year. I I don't I don't know. I don't pay attention to pro ball. I barely pay attention to college ball. My college team is uh, Carolina, and we're horrible. We have been for about ten years now. And we're we're very consistent in not being at both halves of the same game. We may show up to the first half, we may show up to the second half, but we sure as hell ain't gonna be at both. So just gives me more opportunity to talk smack about Clemson. I have nothing to lose at this point. Like people are like, Yeah, you like Carolina, huh? It's like, yeah, I know, we're horrible big whoop it's to be expected yeah sports yeah oh okay so the thing i wanted to talk about speaking of ice 
real quick. Uh, you know the pump misters. Yeah. You ever have those get gross? We, yeah. Like in the bottom. Yeah. How but, how have you cleaned those in the past? Uh, to be brutally honest, the first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh my god, what have I done? I haven't been maintaining my sprayer." And I attempted to pour in straight chlorhexidine and then I used a bottle brush and it just didn't work and I threw it away. And now I try to, if I have the small Exoterra one, that's only like 500 milliliters, I will dump it out after my maintenance and just leave it upside down on a paper towel. If it's the big giant canister one, I leave it sealed and then I'll just do really, really hot water and dawn and shake it up and then dump it out and i've yet to see any funk so i don't know if that's just from me maintaining it that way but i can't think of a way to properly clean the inside Boy, of it I got you know? one. oh well, let's hear it baby okay this blew my mind because mine so mine disappeared for a period of time i don't know where it went but i found it and the bottom was like green like algae or something had set up shop yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, I put some some Zep in there and, you know, squirreled it around a good bit and shook it up and emptied that out. And that didn't do anything. And so then I, you know, I brought it into the kitchen. I was Katie was standing. I was like, well, how, what, what, what do we got that I can get this out with? She was like, oh, she's like nothing. She's like, but she's like, let me see it. She took it. She put ice cubes in it. And then I guess she put some salt in it. And you take it and you shake it around with the salt and ice. Really? Like new. She said that's how they used to like clean carafes when she worked in, in food and bev. Really? And like my mind was blown because it was perfect. All of that's it was gone. Wild. Like the ice turn was green. Yeah. Dude, some like I I put in some Dawn, which I also shook that up and tried to like work it and it didn't really do much but that ice with some salt in it dude it was because mine's one of the like i don't know how big exactly they are like two liter bottles yeah you know one of the handheld ones not the backpacks but yeah it, you, uh, you, you, it, like the exoterra one with the black top yeah yeah but bigger it's a bigger one it got it from like home depot or lowe's so for future reference that worked like a million bucks Excellent. Like I was I was amazed. Yeah, Jeff Fred uh, Jeff Fredericks is in the in that the trick chat. also works for a drop of dish soap for pasta sauce stained containers. Oh yeah, he's saying Blue Dawn is is the lifesaver, and I, I've always used Blue Dawn. That's like my weapon of choice in that regard. Um, if it's safe for the ducks, it's safe for the animals. Yeah, no, right, dude. And that commercial, that Dawn commercial, pisses me off so much. Because you look at that commercial and you're like, oh, they saved this little baby duck. Bullshit. Those cameras are million dollar red cameras, you know, and they're 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 all this big money production for these freaking commercials. They took some poor defenseless little duck and lathered crap all over it just to make the commercial. Because you know what is clean? The duck's head. The duck's head is clean because that's a captive duck that was not it it's a sham. And I'm angry, but I still buy their product because they make amazing stuff. You're wrong. I don't believe you. 
Tyson Dallas said, put a few pre-1982 pennies in the uh, sprayer. Copper kills bacteria. Yeah, I've done that with water bowls and stuff a lot. Um, he said, builds up a lot of carbon pyrite in my water bowls. But yes, the pre-1982 pennies work really well. Uh, I actually put copper like couplings in my my in the rodent reservoirs in the the big five gallon buckets to help sort of kill stuff, keep it, also, make it a little less gross. I've also seen people take a really long bottle brush and put it inside of a power drill, like in the oh, chuck yeah. in the chuck of a power drill, and like you know up and down. So, but again, that's. That's I would only do that if I had like one of the big like five gallon sprayers or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, man. It worked like worked like a million bucks. My sprayer was like new. Um, I needed it because I had um. So one of the female chondros had a rough shed, and then I thought that maybe she was gravid. And so I was like, let me get some of the stuck shed off her. And so I was like, couldn't find my mister and finally found it. And then I was like, oh, wait, it's green in the bottom. So then I fixed that. And then I went and sprayed her. Funky. Uh, And she was not, she was pregnant, but it wasn't with eggs. Because as soon as I started misting her, she just stopped being pregnant. It was bad. I was like amazed. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's literally like how full she was. Size. <laughs> I thought she might have been gravid. That's how fat she was. But you spray chondros, and it's it's just a trigger where they just go. If I have a snake that hasn't gone in a while, and I'm like, it's time, missed them. Usually, it's not usually immediate like that, but you do it before lights out. By morning, there's usually something there. So. Yeah, yeah. I do the same thing with Bittis, man. My uh, my big oh, female, yeah. my big female Gaboon, man. She just had a horrible shed, and uh, and it, it, like, she got some of it off, but it wasn't enough. Like, it, you could tell it wasn't. She didn't have enough hydration, or maybe the oils in her skin wasn't there enough to make the shed detach properly. And I misted her down, but again, we're talking about a five foot Gaboon that's as thick, if not thicker, than an adult blood python. So I'm not exactly going to start, like, rubbing oil on her body. You know what I mean? It's just not going to happen. Oh, come on. Yeah. So I got a big sterilite tub, and I filled it with 600 or nah, probably, like, a 1,000 milliliters of water, just normal tap water. And I threw her ass in there, and I left her there for almost four hours. And when I came back, dude, it was all off. She took a nice big crap in there, and uh, it we forget how simple something like that can be. Do they like, like lose it when you put them in water? Uh, it depends on the animal. They have I mean, a moment and like freak out where they're like, Oh my God. Well, like I don't like putting venomous in water unless I need to, like I really, really need to, or I mean, like there are guys on online that once a week, twice a week, put their their venomous snake regardless of species or what it is into a tub of just water mm-hmm. that's how you die because the minute that snake hits that water it freaks and flies out unless you have an animal that's been conditioned to do it so like there's a guy that i follow online and he doesn't have the best of practices in my opinion but he's got a mamba that 
he's raised since it was a baby and he when it was a baby he'd put it in water and it would fly out but now it's you know seven foot and it doesn't care it knows that it's going to get a nice swim it's going to get a drink and he's going to take it back out and have a clean cage so i feel like a lot of conditioning comes down to that i feel like that's how my gaboon is like she knows like nothing's going to happen she could she's not floating it's not deep enough for her to float so if she did lose strength and like succumb to the the water so to speak she's not going to Right. Yeah, she's not gonna be dr- she's not gonna drown or anything. The whole point of it is just to make massive amounts of humidity, and if she wants to drink, she can. So, because with gondros, I've noticed doesn't matter which animal it is, all of them act the same. They're like a cat when you're trying to put a cat in a bag. Oh yeah, like the chondros, you put them in that, and like immediately, like they just hold onto the hook even harder. They try and climb up it. Like getting them into a soaking bin is is actually really difficult. Yeah, they if you pick them up to try and put them in there, they just cling on to you, and then when you try to pull them off, they just end up wrapping you some more, and it's a it's a whole thing. But now I will say for something like that and venomous too, I prefer rain chambers mm-hmm. because a rain chamber, and we can we can I can discuss that for those of you who are unaware of what it is. Um, Basically, you have a container that I prefer it clear just so I can see what's going on, especially venomous. And the container has a lid that seals, but you have air holes in the top and you have air holes at the bottom and you have more air holes on the bottom than you do on the top. And sometimes the ones on the top, you can make them bigger if you want just to kind of get more water flow. But you basically take your animal, put it in the container and put it under the faucet. Make sure the water doesn't get too hot, doesn't get too cold, and it's going to rain in that chamber and then drain out the bottom. Um, and that's why you have more holes in the bottom than you do on the top. Otherwise, the thing would fill up and your snake or lizard would drown, um, which is no bueno. So I prefer doing rain chambers with venomous because when they go in the container, they're like, okay, I'm just in a container. And then when I turn the rain on, then they're like, oh, my God, it's raining. What do I do? But they get the hydration that they need. So. Yeah, and the chondros. The chondros. Yeah, I, I do that every now and then. So I don't do it exactly like that. What I what I'll typically do if I feel like I need to, um, which I know there's guys like David Brahms does rain chambers fairly regularly, or at least he did at one point. I don't know if he still does. Um, but what I'll do is I'll take an empty tub, um, or shoebox, something of the appropriate size, and I'll just put the perch with the snake on it, and then I'll just I'll sit there with the hand mister and I'll put the little lock on. And I'll just hold it there over them and I'll watch them drink. And then when they're done, then I'll, you know, I'll pull it and I'll put them back and move on to the next. So ideally, like what would be really nice is to have something like one of the backpack misters that has the hose and finding a way to attach that like in the center of the lid, but have it so that the broad, the the sprays, you know, it's broad, it's not narrow and then be able to sort of just pump it and let it go. And then I can do other stuff while it's doing that. Um, and I guess the, the step, another option before that would be to just put them in a tub, like in your shower and set the water temperature to a, you know, a nice something room, tepid, whatever, and let it do its thing that way. Um, I'm just kind of weird about my water quality. No, I get that. It's not bad, but it's definitely like it's not it's not my not my favorite. There's a reason I filter pretty much everything. Uh, yeah, that goes into the water bowls here. So, 
Yeah, and I feel like I like the the rain chamber <laughs> because most of my stuff I can't do what you just described, and I'm not too concerned with the the tap water that where I am. So I, I don't I don't worry about it too much. I mean, there is some chloramine in it, maybe some fluoride, but nothing that's really going to affect them. I mean, it may it may leave a some kind of calcium residue or something on water bowls on occasion, but as long as I'm maintaining mm-hmm. the, the bowls, it's irrelevant. But uh, somebody, I think it was Jeff, had mentioned about too hot, too cold. Obviously, the animals going to freak out. Most people don't realize this, but like 80 degrees, which all of our animals are at 80 degrees, 80 degree water actually feels cold to the touch. Mm-hmm. So if you like have a, a digital thermometer or whatever, and you're running your tap water, you'll, you could see what's cold and what's not. Even though it feels cold, it's really not. Well, what's, what's our body temperature average? 93 and change or something? No, 97, right? 97.8. Right. Basically, if you're feeling water and it's it's hot, that means it's warmer than that 97 and Yeah, exactly. So it's going to feel cooler than that. But but yeah, I, I can't I, I don't trust my animals to like leave them in the shower or like leave them in the tub. But venomous or not. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I mean, that, even if it was like in the shower, I wouldn't leave them, leave them, you know, yeah. obviously be supervised. But yeah, 98.6. There we go. I was close. <laughs> same thing uh, but they work the chondros yeah. it's weird too because i have some chondros where it's like if i rain chamber them they'll drink like crazy and then i've got some where it's like they just tuck their head and they're like dude come on like leave me alone let me go back to sleep well it's funny we we're talking about this because uh <clears throat> excuse me uh, this week I'm going to water the Serastes because the last time they got water was June. And the time before that was oof, I think November or September. So wow. uh yeah. So now nah, you know, maybe it was maybe it was Christmas time. I don't remember. It's been a while. So I know they haven't had water since June. We did the move and now the room is hotter than it was back in June. Um, so I'm going to do them, but what I normally do is I take them out and I put them into a larger tub that's blank empty with a small water bowl. And I just let them drink as much as they want Mm -hmm. if, and I'll just keep refilling that little water bowl. And then finally, when they stop, I'll give it like 20, 30 minutes to just chill and just get that water inside them. Cause the the minute they're done drinking, if you scoop them up, they're going to spit up all that water. Now they're losing gut flora. And at the same time. I'm sure it doesn't feel good the same way that it doesn't feel good for us to throw up. Um, so it does take me a long time to do all the Serastes. I mean, shit, there's six or seven at my house. Um, and uh, But it gives them that nice big drink that they only get once every four or five, six months, whatever I feel like doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious, and maybe there's a paper on it that I can hunt down, but I'm really, really curious how those animals how much more effective they are as far as hydration from food compared to other animals like how does their body get more from less or the same amount as something that an animal in more a tropical or more humid environment that does see more rainfall yeah you know like what is it that that serastes and other desert species like that 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 rarely see rain like how has their body adapted to to get more hydration out of things like that and you know air humidity and yeah you know, i know the night drops and the the dew point and things like that are there but 
I'd just be I'm really curious if there's some sort of mechanism there with the like Serastes in particular. Sure. Where like they they somehow are able to metabolize more water from meals than other stuff. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally think that that you're right on the ball. And I'm sure that someone should if they haven't, or if I'm hopefully they have done a study on this, but when you look at the feces of a grassland species or a jungle species or tropical species and it is extremely wet moist yes. whatever you want to call it um and then you look at something like the serastes it almost looks like beef jerky with like a slight oily sheen to it and that's just because they've used everything mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i also feel like i am not doing what i should for them because in the wild, they probably are drinking maybe every day for a few weeks out of the year, depending on dew point. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They're drinking way more in the wild than they are in my captive care. The problem is for me to keep them healthy and not oversaturate them with respiratory issues, right. or scale rot or, or, or skin issues. I have to keep them super duper dry. Um, for a while, I was basically taking them out and soaking them like I like I did with the gaboon. You know, mm-hmm. put like an inch of water in there, let them swim around. Believe it or not, serastes can float and swim. It's crazy. A snake that will never see large standing water in yeah. its entire life in the desert of the Sahara <laughs> will float and swim. It's just instinctual. Um, but what happens is water gets in between the pectoral scales. And it gets on and in between the nooks and crannies of those keeled scales. And then when I put them in the sand, it clumps and it sticks to them and it builds humidity pockets. And I've actually Mm -hmm. seen like a fungal rash on on a lot of the bellies, excuse me, a lot of belly scales from that. So I was like, I can't do that anymore. You know, put a little, put a little Lotrimin on it, makes everything go away. But, uh, but so that's why now I put them in a dry tub with just a water bowl. And if they spill a little, they spill a little, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not floating them or soaking them like it would other species. Yeah. I don't know. What are the, so like urates in those, do you see the same or less in the those compared to other species? Yeah. I think it looks the same. About the same. Yeah. There's, there's uh way less, um, there's more fur, like white mouse fur, mm-hmm. than you would expect from other animals. Uh, but there's also less feces in general. So I feel like See, that doesn't surprise me. That I would expect. Yeah, they're just getting rid of, of the, the waste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they're pulling everything they can out of that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's surely someone's looked into that. Because there's plenty of other animal species, not even like outside of herps, that have to have something similar to where they're just able to pull water from every possible thing they can. Yeah, and 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 Jeff Frederick brings up something that somebody was just talking about. He says his Baird's rat snake will regurgitate the food if it's too wet, um, Mm -hmm. and had access to water recently. And we were talking about that with Subox too. Yeah, Um, a couple of our friends have had issues where if they don't dry the prey item off before giving it to the bear die or the subak, then they'll they'll get you know chronic regurge or what have you. Well wasn't was it subox or was it Centicolis that if they I think have they were if talking they, about Bajas. If they drink too much that causes them to regurge. Really? 
I can't remember what it was. It was one of those two, I'm fairly certain, to where so, like, um, that's why they're only offered water. Maybe it was Rosie Boas. It might have been Rosie's. But know. basically, same thing as you would with, with Bajas or Subox. Like you just give them a much smaller than normal water bowl so that like they still have access to it, but they don't have a ton. That's literally uh, what I do. And it was a, I think it was a issue where if something drank, if you gave them a, like a bunch of water and they drank a bunch at once, it just they just they regurge. Like, yeah, Je- Jeff says it was Senecolas. Rosie's too. Okay, both. <clears throat> yeah, so <clears throat> that might have been a CCR episode. Yeah, because I've heard that before. I, the wet rodent thing with my beards, I've never had an issue there. Um, I also like I try to dry mine off at least a little bit before I feed them because I don't like to have the shavings and stuff stick to it because they're bound and determined to grab it and drag it through the bedding. Of course, their way to the back of the tub, and so of course it just becomes like a magnet. And, I and see, I don't pick them up like, coiled and peel it all off. My Mexican black kings do that, and I got this is going to sound bad, and people are going to yell at me for this. I kind of don't hesitate with aspen with them eating like the aspen that's stuck to the fur because I mean, dude, they're going to get a mouthful. But with like the cerastes or with the lepidus. And it's sand. It's like real it's sand. It, yeah, man. Because I feel like it, if a king snake ate some aspen, we're talking about very fine, minute shavings. Yeah, it may give them some kind of irritation. I'm sure it could come have some kind of ulcer or something. But they're going to probably digest most, if not all of it, in my opinion. While it's sand, yeah. now you're just talking about straight impaction. Yeah. I don't know, though, because I would think that with, with some species like that that are in a more sandy environment, not straight sand, Serastes would kind of be the exception there. But uh, stuff like that, like desert stuff that is in a more dusty, more sandy area, I would expect to have adapted at least a little bit to ingesting that and dealing with it better than Yo, oh, you wouldn't keep on sand. For sure. And we're not talking about uh, – uh, right, I'll give you a scenario. Uh Lepidus rock rattlesnake, you know, bites a bites a rodent in the wild, and the rodent has moisture around its mouth and has a mouthful of sand, right? Or maybe it bleeds, and a lot of the sand sticks to the blood, the, the coagulated blood, and it consumes it. That's no problem. Same thing with like a knobtail gecko or even a leopard gecko. Oh, you can't put it on sand because it's going to get impacted. These are desert creatures, man. Like. Granted, if it's if you're feeding it a mouthful of sand every time, that's different. Right. So the rattlesnake that that tags a rat, has some sand on the rat and eats it is very different than me having a soaking wet, frozen thawed rodent and basically, you know, panko bread crust breading it in sand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jeff's also said bears will do it with two larger prey items also. Um could have been a combination with the wet mice. Yeah, I've definitely noticed with bairds that when you're feeding them, I I'm over the years I've learned to stick to the on the smaller side. You know, it's not like corns where you can kind of push them a little bit and you can, you know, give them that little extra ten percent, probably more than they they should have, but they can handle it. Uh, yeah. Bairds don't don't take well to that. Like I I prefer to go smaller for bairds, even if they're adults. Um, because I've noticed that they, it does not take much to get bears to regurge, especially if it's too big of a meal. And then it's, you know, I've talked about it a bunch of times on this show and other shows. It's, it's then a sort of a very slow and steady 
return to a normal size prey item because if you try and feed them the same size over and over again after that they just seem to regurge and regurge and just go downhill from there and eventually they're just going to roll so yeah yeah so on on the same note i um and dude it always happens to your favorite your favorite specimen or your favorite one of the species so i have this dusky that i've had for years and the thing's gonna be a killer breed it's got like another year before i really want to pair it and palm beach locality just a screamer screamer specimen it got bad shed after the move which is to be expected you know it's, yeah. it's a lot drier so i gave it more moisture i sprayed a little more well it got too wet and now it's got this stuck shed it's in wetness it just looked bad man it just it looked like a wet dog you know i felt bad for her so i take her out and i put her on paper towels and give her a nice rat pup and say you know here you go nice dry fresh dry enclosure well she eats it everything's fine so a week later the the shed is still there it still looks crappy so i was already soaking the gaboon so i said all right let me soak the pygmy too she regurged the almost completely digested rat pup mm. because she had drank so much water. Yeah. And I guess it's just bad course correction. So I just checked her. She's yeah. doing all right. But now I got to wait a little while. And now it's the scary time of is she going to rebound from this mm -hmm. this incident? So fingers crossed and we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's it's weird, man, because, I mean, even if you have a water bowl in there, there's some snakes that just for whatever reason can't seem to find it because that was an issue I had with the rhinos, the baby rhinos. Um, that first week, as they were all sort of coming into their first sheds and, and having them, there was a couple I noticed looked really dry, like they looked crispy, like that skin was just it was, it was gross. And so I put them in the water bowl and there was two of them. One in particular for sure that they were just drinking a ton of water. And it was like it was like they never found the water bowl, which doesn't make sense because we're talking about small tubs that are 96 ounce. Like they're not huge. They're they're fairly shallow. And they've got like the eight ounce deli cups in there that take up a solid quarter of that tub space, if not more. And it's like you couldn't find that. So it got to the point I talked to Terry Burwell because I, I messaged him and was like, you know, do you keep yours on any Like, what am I doing wrong? Basically, like, should I yeah. keep them on damp paper towel? Because I don't want to keep them damp. Should I keep them on damp spag? And he basically told me he keeps his on damp spag and he keeps them all together until they have their first sheds and then he separates them. Um, so what I'm going to what I'm going to do uh, or what I learned this this time um, is definitely keep them on something keep humidity high when they're babies like that in that first week probably longer than that i would think and this is the, um, the silver coat this is still their first shed yes okay um i didn't have humid hides in there with them i just had the bigger water bowls and they had a you know a little uh cardboard tube whatever so after having that conversation with terry i got more of the uh, deli cups and it's the ones with the green lids from Dollar Tree that come in like a five pack I love them to death they're great um, went ahead and made humid hides with some spag I put all the babies in them and closed the lid like they had the hole so they could come out if they wanted to uh, and that's what they have as a hide now instead of a, like a, a hide they can still yeah. go under the paper towel because I use multiple layers of paper towel um, but yeah like 
there was a couple that had fine sheds. There was two or so that needed some assistance. Like they got some of it off and I had to help them get the rest of it off. Um, but they're all, they're all shedded now. So I have sheds. I got to send those off to get sexed. Um, cool. Did you give the Rhino Neos a perch above the water bowl? I have not. Uh, and that's pretty much because these perches I have that are made for like six quarts would not fit in these tubs. Um, but what I should do is get some fake plant, like some, some aquarium plant or something to put in there. Um, they're not seeming to have any issues finding the water bowl now. Cause there's a couple of them that I'll find in and out of the water bowl as much as the adults, uh, which the adults, I don't really see in the water bowl a whole lot anymore. When I was feeding them heavier, I noticed that they definitely spent more time in there after talking to Rob. He thinks that it's a comfort thing for them. Like if you feed them bigger meals, they sit in water, displace that weight. And so it's not as uncomfortable on them to be perched okay. with that in there which i guess makes sense um but i also have gotten to the point where i don't really even feed my adults anything furred anymore they all get rat pups or rat pinks yeah like small give them i'll give them a handful of rat pinks or something like my adult female instead of giving her like a small adult mouse that's furred and everything i'll give her like four or five fuzzies you know a yeah. couple of rat pinks like i think that's sort of where they where they fall like nest raider type deal. Um, they definitely won't pass up a furred animal, but I noticed that uh, if I fed them heavy, they spent more time in the water bowl. Cause now if I see them in there, that's likely because they're going into their shed cycle. And then I notice they start turning blue and then I just don't see them for like a week. Like they disappear into the back of the cage, they hide. Um, and then they shed and they come back out and they're back to perching and hanging out like they do. But <clears throat> The babies are in and out of the water bowl. Uh, they're spending a lot of time in the humid hides. Um, so next time, I probably will just keep them on damp spag for that first until that first shed. Uh, you know, fill each tub with spag. You know, I separate mine after they're out of the egg. I I guess I could keep them together. To me, I just like to have them separated so I can monitor each one. Uh, in case there's any issues, because that one I had, there was the clutch of six. The one died. Uh, and the one that died was, I think, number four to come out of the egg, which was odd because it wasn't like the first one and it wasn't the last one. It was one of the ones sort of right there in the middle, uh, which I would have expected to be like the first one or the last one, which the last one I ended up cutting the egg so it could come out because I wasn't sure if it was alive or not because it hadn't pipped yet after a week or so of all the other ones pipping. Yeah. Um, and so far I offered Rosie reds off, you know, right off the rip. I told myself I wasn't going to, but after the whole chondro thing with that and trying to dodge scenting as much as I could in hopes that I could get them going without having to do that. I was like, let me not play this game. Let me just go ahead and do some rosies. Yeah. Did some rosies. That was odd because one took like the same day. And then over the course of like a week, another one would take another day or two. Another one would take like some of them, that fish would sit in that water bowl, like swimming around for days before they even ate it, but it would disappear. Yeah. So it was strange. Uh, and then I just tried yesterday. I cut some slivers of frog leg and put in the water bowl. No interest. Uh, I got to clean those water bowls out. And uh, next is going to be floating some pinkies to see if there's any, any yeah. interest there. 
the uh something we used to do when i worked at underground we would get um uh, red tail green rats drop eggs all the time mm-hmm. in, imports and uh what we would do is we would get you know six or eight quarts and they had air holes drilled right and what you do is you would get i mean this is before we had paper straws but mcdonald's plastic straws you know the ones with like the red and yellow stripe on them and you know how you can kind of fold a straw a little bit we would slide the mcdonald's straw through the tub short ways and make a perch across the water bowl and we would put two mcdonald's straws there and then just take good idea take scissors and just cut the ends off and yeah you know you, you had to make sure that the air hole was a big enough to take the straw but not too big that the straw would fall through and then you have a loose yeah. snake um but yeah that's we just use plastic straws mm-hmm. and i mean because the babies are so so small and light i mean what the four or five grams if that right you know yeah um yeah i mean i uh, we talked about it on thp thursday but i you know i wasn't particularly stoked to uh to do rosie's I did them, and then as like the same day after I just put rosies in each of the water bowls, I was talking to Matt about it. He was like, oh, "Don't start off with rosies. Try floating a pinky in the water bowl first. And I was like, "That's great advice. I'm going to do that next time because right now there's rosies in all the water bowls." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, I mean, the only reason I'm really not psyched about PetSmart rosies, which is what these were, is like they're PetSmart rosies, and uh, you know we we all know where their reptiles come from and they're not exactly ideal conditions. Uh, I can't imagine their fish are any better. If anything, I would probably bet that their fish are probably worse because they have more of them and they're a little more disposable. Um, chopsticks. Yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, that's good. Um, but I wanted to get something in them. They ate, you know, now we're going to continue to try some things. The, the main thing with the pet smart sort of quality of that is just, I'm more concerned about not necessarily even parasites, but just how sort of gross the rosies are, if that makes sense. I don't yeah. know how to describe it. No, like those, I get it. Those baby rhinos are tiny. Uh, and when you have an animal with, with a you know liver and, and kidneys that small, I can't imagine it would take much to do damage. So... Yeah, that's kind of where I was like, I'm hesitant to to give them rosies until they finally take. Um, I definitely would. I would rather assist feed mount like mouse tails, and maybe do rosies like once a month, and just keep offering pinkies and see if they take. I don't. I don't know. But well, is there a reason why they do rosies over guppies? Um. I'm sure price because I thought about that too. Or I was like, would it be better if I got guppies from PetSmart over rosies? But then I was like, they're probably getting those from the same place they're getting their rosies. And is it really going to be any better quality wise? Because well, Billy was also like, raise you know, get a group of guppies and raise your own. And- yeah, that, that's kind of what I was leading to. But I also feel like a lot of times, I mean, don't get me wrong, that I've I've been wrong on this exact statement before. But a lot of times, the feeder fish are not kept in the same communal water system that the rest of the shop fish mm-hmm. are. So like they'll have like a tank of guppies, they'll have like a tank of comets, and then they'll have all of the interconnecting wall of fish. You know what I mean? That is using the same massive sump. So I don't know. I think about that too. It was like all the interchanging water with all the different species from around the world, opposed to just a tank of rosies. 
And I'm actually, that makes me wonder, though, I need to ask Matt, like, what exactly, what parasites do you have to worry about when you're dealing with something, you know, aquatic, prey-wise? Yeah. What is it that could that could be picked up by a snake and it be a host for for something like that? Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I thought about breeding my own guppies and mollies. The only, I just, I don't know how long they take to exponentially produce. Like, basically, I thought about it, and it was, okay, if I do that, by the time I have guppies to feed them, have they already just switched over to mice, and at that point, yeah. I just have a tank full of freaking guppies until I breed again, Yeah, you know, right. whenever that is. So I was like, maybe, and then it just, it, I wish I still had dart frogs, because those Vitatus tadpoles were perfect. They were a perfect size. They were like big enough to be substantial, but not so big that they couldn't eat them. Um, there was a million of them. Like there was no issues there as far as consistency and, and having them available. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying some other stuff though. I'm trying to see if I can get some other tricks. I tried tuna juice. That didn't work. Um, and well, I just talked about that on THP a little bit. And I think that was just because it doesn't smell like naturally fishy like tuna smells like tuna it doesn't really smell like fish like it yeah if that makes sense yeah um, the frog leg i don't know what it is because i was hopeful that they would they would take to that but they didn't and then i offered some to one of my older animals and it's just so bizarre that they go crazy for rodents like we'll come out of the cage for it but if I try to give them frog leg, they just sniff it and they lurk. They're like absolutely repulsed by it and turn around and go the opposite direction. Like they just, they want yeah. nothing to do with it. And it's so weird because the chondros, I give chondros frog legs all day long. They freaking love them. But with everything else, it's like I got a couple animals that I know will take them like corns and stuff. But there's, I know there's the bairds every now and then, maybe depending on the animal. Some of the corns, chondros, brettles, like no big deal. They love it. But then the the rhinos, man, like, and the percentum too, because I offered some to the percentum and she was like, hell no, dude, get out of here. So it's strange. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you could also do, uh, you could freeze some rosies. I mean, I know it's barbaric, but you could freeze some rosies and then use their scent to you to, to do what you got to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, I mean, that's that's what I did with a lot of when I realized that the stilettos were 50 percent of the time eating the Chinese cooked snails. Mm-hmm. I just kept three or four snails frozen and I just rubbed them on pinkies. And mm-hmm. I really feel like on two of the four specimens that I did that with. It worked. Yeah. So I don't know. Trial and error, man. Jeff said get a get the kid a ten gallon tank with pretty mollies and lots of plants. It'll be a baby making factory in about a month. Yeah, that's true. Daryl said, I've wondered if you could treat guppies and or rosies with tetra tetracycline in their water to treat some parasites and if it would harm the snakes. I guess that would depend on sort of the dosage and how that works. I don't know. I like it. It's what sucks is like there's no matter how you cut it, like there's no clear way around it. You know, it's one of those things where you kind of are just going to have to buckle down and do it. But 
having said that, Rosies are twenty two cents a piece, so it would be very easy to just go to PetSmart and be like, "I'll take twenty of those and then freeze them and then use them for sending." And if they don't work for sending, thaw them out and feed those. You know. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Yeah, it's an in water treatment, but that's the question: is like how much. I'm sure it's by the gallon, I would assume, maybe by quart in terms of volume, but yeah, they do parts how much would you have to put in there? And then again, like with kidneys and, and other filtration things in the body being that small and a snake that small. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know how well that would work out, but put a drop of Asian fish sauce on a pinky. Yeah, so those are uh those have been I'm not freaking out or panicking by any means but it's uh it's gonna be interesting first first rhinos so it's a trial by fire kind of thing that's cool man you did it and then i've got some corns that are not wanting to survive either so damn how's the uh cutting test go uh that's going good so i think we're on week like seven, maybe eight. Uh, results are pretty much consistently being the same across the board each week. Uh, the the group cut, uh, cut group is is gaining roughly a half a gram a week. Uh, the non cut group is starting to fall behind a little bit in terms of how much they're gaining per week. Like there, I do group averages. I think I showed it a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago when we were on here. Um, and they're starting the cut group is now starting to pull away from that non-cut group a little bit uh, and then there's that one animal that just has not started that is now starting to lose weight it coasted for a while there for about two or three weeks it just maintained this last over the weekend uh, it showed its first drop in weight so I don't know. Yeah. I've tried a couple things with that animal as well, and it's just not happening. So I'm I'm not expecting that animal to to make it long term unless it decides to get its uh, act together. Um, yeah. And then there's a like one or two castanya, the heck castanya motleys that aren't taking yet either. Um, the ones that are though, I mean, man, they're chunky little things. They're they're, I can just drop feed most of them, just throw something in there, and it'll be gone. But, and then three of the four bairds are eating regularly. I have one Baird's that is still holding out. And then we have the other clutch of Baird's. The two, it's now two eggs. It was a four egg clutch. Two of those eggs are getting moldy. Um, those are due to hatch. Let me see. Those were late on the 12th of July. So we're... Um, you probably got another 12-ish days there. Uh, okay. Do you think those moldy eggs are shot? One of them for sure. The other one it might hatch. It might not. Wouldn't surprise me either way. But one of them. Are you gonna? Works. Are you gonna just leave it? Probably at this rate. They've been in there this long. It's not okay. really like the one bad egg isn't like it's not spreading to everything else. You know. Okay. Um, at least not visibly. But the two eggs that are good, they look fine. And then the Jansen eye egg, we're on day 132. 
So we're getting down to the wire on that. I think we're inside of two weeks now, technically. Nice. Nice. We'll see what happens. I candled that couple. It's been like a week or two ago, and there was no light coming through that egg. Nice. Um, so we'll see. I'm If I wake up one of these days and that egg is, is slit, I may have to call out of work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so paranoid. I might, I'm like either that or I'm just going to have to tell Katie, like, don't go in the closet today at all. Yeah. Like wear dirty clothes, whatever you got to do. Like, just don't go in the closet for the love of God. Because my plan <laughs> was too, if I see it and it's pipped, was to cover the front of the incubator and then tell Katie, like, don't go in there. Yeah. Just don't, don't set foot in there. Yeah. That's it. If you love me, you will, you will do this. Yeah. Just take out a few outfits, put them yeah. under like the dresser, pack a bag, pack a know? bag. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Jeff asked if I had tried the traditional tricks like Dawn dish soap cleaning, boiled pinks, and rubbing dirt. Uh, I have not. I tried the dish soap thing with some of the corns and no reaction. Um, boiled pinks, I to me, that's like a last resort thing. I really don't want to have the boiled pinkies because I don't really have anything to boil them in. And I'm pretty sure if Katie saw me using one of the Pyrex things, she'd be pretty pissed. That might require a trip to Walmart for a separate Pyrex glass. Clearly marked that it is the pinky Pyrex. Yeah. We'll give that a shot, but emergency pip clothes ready, yeah. <laughs> Terrell said it's not the nicest thing, but a trick I've used with some success <clears throat> is to put on latex gloves and grab an anole, let a bit of each fresh pink on the nose, real good. Pinky in with the snake in the deli. Something about the saliva works sometimes. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It's just like one of the head Castagna Motley's. I used the pinky head thing and I like held it by the tail and I hold the pinky head and, and tap it. And it's like every time you tap those things, they bite. Like it's, it takes no, no effort to get those things to take a swing at something. And it grabbed grabbed the head and it held onto it and it finally ate it after you know a couple seconds of sort of hanging there so but the frustrating thing with that is so that same snake yesterday i tease it into grabbing a pinky and it got about halfway down and i was not moving because as soon as it grabbed it i was still holding it and i froze and so i slowly lowered it to put it on the paper towel and like let go of it and it, mistake. it started to keep eating. I was like, okay, cool. Oh, all right. Then I moved or did something and it immediately like gave it back up and I left it there hoping maybe it would come back. Never did. So oh, jeez. I was like, damn it. The worst. The worst. You probably could have tease fed it where it was at that point. I probably would have dude, grabbed it again. I've tried those things. They just spaz out. And do yeah. circles. They do laps around the tub. Like tease feeding them like that does not work. I have found that if I if I hold them by the tail and let them hang, and then have them grab it, and I let them go, and they hold onto it in midair, they'll kind of wait there for a second, and then they'll just start eating it. But just tease feeding them as is in that tub is not happening. They they freak the fuck out. They fly out of the tub onto the floor. I end up chasing them around for a minute, and they're biting everything and. That clutch is horrible. Like as far as 
flighty, bitey little corn snakes, dude. That clutch is <laughs> the worst I have ever had. It's nice. wild. I've never had a corn clutch this high strung. Nice. It's nice. it's strange. Every single one of them, dude. There ain't a chill snake in that bunch. <laughs> They're all just little satanic monsters. That's good, man. And you would think that as a result of that, they'd, they'd be the easiest to sort of get going. And most of them have been, but those couple that are holding out, man, it's like, what, what gives, man? All the hypos and stuff, though, that I'm doing the cutting experiment with, besides number six, the holdout, um, they're all drop feeding like champs. Like those, I've got nice. a couple that'll take it straight off the tongs and eat it. A lot of the other ones, I just have to drop it in there and leave it, and it'll get eaten. But everything there is like rocking and rolling on food. So nice. That's it's like, nice. A... and it's it's interesting too because there's what. Go ahead. Go ahead. What were you saying? I don't remember. Go go on. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there's there's a very clear difference too between the the cut and the uncut group, even though they're eating on the same schedule and they are actually eating. Like the cut ones have, they're just bulkier, if that makes sense. Sure. Like they're not. You think they gain more muscle mass faster? I don't. They're just chunkier. Like tone wise, they're just a little more built. The stuff that's on no cuts is just a little more is more slender. Okay. Uh, it's odd. I don't. I'd have to. I don't know if I could even take a picture of it, and it would it would come through. But yeah, you can definitely look at them and tell there's a difference, even though they're they're all eating, you know, on the same day, no issues. Um, it's odd. It's interesting. But my plan is, I don't know how much longer I'm going to do it. Probably going to keep it going for another couple weeks, but at least have it done before we put out this next, you know, the, the, the return issue of the magazine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'd like to sort of do the write-up for that on it. So I think it'd be great. I just want to have more, more data to show. Well, it's funny. Uh, we're talking about drop feeding and stuff. I, uh, Anna Maria got one of the, Pueblin milks that Vic Lorana produced. She got it from Billy. And we had waited probably 10 days or so before we tried to feed it um, just to let him chill out and settle in. Right. Just, Billy was taking good care of it. So there's nothing wrong with it. And I went to tease feed it like I do all my milk snakes. And dude, that thing freaked out, freaked out. And like at one point, Emery even says she's like, "I think we put too much aspen because you're just chasing the thing around." You know what I mean? Because it's just like make it had already made its intricate series of tunnels, like the Viet Cong, and uh, <laughs> and I wound up just leaving it on top of the humid hut. I was like, "Look, we'll just leave it here. If it's there in, in morning, then we'll we'll try something else." You know, a couple of days. And uh, I was gone twenty minutes, and that thing was gone. Just scarfed it. That's what I did for that Leonis from Chris, yeah. man. I just put a pinky on that hide. We'll see. Gone. And then hopefully Chris doesn't get mad at me when he hears this, but I uh, I don't want to have frozen thought pinkies. I just, I don't know. It just, for some reason, it just annoys me. Um, so I tried to drop feed live twice 
and it looked at me like I'm not doing that. So I'm I'm gonna boil one tonight and leave it in there. So I figured now it's been it's been long enough it needs to eat. So yeah, mine's already mine's going into a shed cycle right now, but mine's already had like four meals. Oh wow, jeez. Yeah, dude. And that same uh, that other Leonis from that older couple, dude. That thing is a chunk. Like that thing just hammers food off the tongs, like snatch and grab. Nice. So they had that thing rocking and rolling, you know, before the show, obviously, but. Everything else has been eating great too. That little zombie that I got from uh, zombie corn from from Allen at Rock Creek. That one was the only thing that I brought back from Daytona that held out for a little bit. But I've now it's had three consecutive meals in it, and I've just been drop feeding. I don't know what the what the holdup was there, but it's finally eaten and uh, taken off. And every that little castagna that I got from him, dude, that thing is that thing grabs and wraps like a king. Nice, nice, dude. Speaking of kings, so. I, you know, we joke about methropeltas, right? Love me some methropeltas. I've never really experienced a methed out king snake. I really haven't. I mean, they just they have a good feed response, you know. Dude, the Outer Banks babies that I got from Doc Loafman last year, they're uh, at least a year old now. Those things are freaking lunatics. They're cocktail straws on meth. It's adorable. Yeah, like <laughs> coming after everything. Literally, like I, I, I lift the lid up, and it's in my face, like, Mah! hilariously adorable. So I'm gonna have to mind my p's and q's adorable. as those things get older. I mean, luckily they're not a big species of Eastern King, you know, a bit a big phenotype, so to speak. But uh, but still, it's it's hilarious how vivacious they've gotten. Yeah, dude, when my dad had those chain kings, man, it was like you open the tub and yeah, that snake was gonna come out of that tub. It was happening. Like you weren't stopping it. <laughs> if it moved, it was food. Like the green trees, you know, they do their thing where you open it and they're like, ah, and then like, oh wait, there's no food, never mind, and they're completely chill. Those friggin' chain kings, man. Like you open that tub and they were like, oh, okay, and then they just yeah, they bolt, but they're not bolting because they're running. They're bolting because they think that they're getting fed and they're coming straight for you. Sure, sure. Ridiculous. And it's just crazy because, like, dude, I've 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 kept adult chain kings, I've kept adult going eye, I've kept adult Floridana, and I never like there was a feed response, but it wasn't the methropeltas. Dude, these babies are nuts. <laughs> they're they're batty. Oh man. So I will say, I uh, of all my recent pickups, everything's doing great. Um, obviously, the Leonis needs to eat, but everything's doing great. But I'm I'm getting a little neurotic about my albino subak. It's eaten three times so far. It will not eat in front of me. It hides. It does not explore at night the way that the other subaks do. And I'm wondering if it's just an albino thing. This is my first personally owned albino snake, and I'm wondering if it just that's why I, I don't. Know. I gave it extra extra paper towel rolls, tubes. I gave it uh, uh, cardboard like um what is it called i can't remember what it's called it's basically the cardboard that they use to make the disposable drink carriers mm-hmm. i have like a bigger heavier denser version of that yeah. it's not meant for drinks but like and i cut them in half to make hides out of it and i even Dude, i love those things yeah and i gave it a brahms perch and 
dude, it used the perch the like the first week that I had it, and then I have I have not seen that snake ever since. Is it it's, in a shed cycle though? I I don't know. I mean, it, I leave I put the pinky in on top of the paper towel. I check it the next morning. It's gone. I look under the tub to make sure, but like I don't want to disturb it because it's still yeah. fresh. But it's just interesting to me that it doesn't have the exploratoryness that I would be expecting of Bogartovus. It could just be taking them a little while longer to settle in, and it could be going into a shed cycle or something. With those albino yeah. stuff, it can be harder to see that that a shed cycle's in the works. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, good point. But I mean, if it's eaten, like, good, you know. Yeah, and then there's poops in there. Poops look good. If it don't want me to see it, that's great. As long as it's eaten, I don't care. Yeah, like, I'll exactly. play by your rules as long as you're as long as you're doing what I need you to do. Yeah, yeah. And then that that big silver female that I got from uh, Nemo. Dude, mm-hmm. that snake's hilarious. Like it, it hides during the day, and then right around dusk, if I go in there like after work or whatever, I'll see her like poke her head out of a paper towel roll, and just kind of give me like the, you dropping something in here? Yeah. You, 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 you dropping something? That's how that male wild rose bass <laughs> was, dude. It was great. Yeah. I'd open that tub, and he just little head would poke out and watch yep. me. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he, you know, I'd get the water bowl out to do a water change or something, or I'd move the the paper towel roll that he was in, he'd like pull his head back. And that would be it. I wouldn't see him yep. again. Yep. He's like, oh, well, okay. I know we're not we're not getting what I want today. Well, it's cool. I, I gave her so she's got a Brahms perch in there, and then um, some tubes, and then a black plastic hide, and a water bowl, and then some of the bedding. The the, the bedding that I got was in the deli cup that Nemo gave me. I threw that in there just for scent transfer, you know. And uh, which I've actually come to do that with a lot of stuff now. Yeah. Dude, for sure. I I've found that it makes a massive difference. It really does. It like, does. Even with the chondros, moving them from smaller tubs into bigger tubs, just taking yeah. that paper towel out or that puppy pad that they were on, yep. and putting it in that new setup, they seem to adjust and trans like transition so much better to bigger tubs as far as like staying on food and things like that. If I if I did that, and so now like with any new snake, uh if it gets shipped and it comes with paper towel or, or something and you know obviously there's no signs of mites or any issues there like i'll put that in the in the new tub sure it, it just seems to to make everything so much smoother yeah i agree completely you i've even smoother i've even done it where you have an animal in a tub that you've raised up and you're on paper towel or puppy pad or whatever and it's time to go into a viv right it's time to go into an actual enclosure and I make the substrate up and I have, you know, the fake plants, live plants, whatever, decor. I'll still put paper towel, like maybe not all of it, but like yeah. a good, I'll put paper towel on top of the bedding on top of the substrate for two, three weeks mm-hmm. until it gets a little funky just to give that transition. Yeah. Old gross yeah. hides. Like if I'm yeah. moving something into a bigger tub and it's got a hide that clearly needs to be thrown out, like they can have it for another week or two. Yeah, exactly. Just, at first, I used to think that it was, I was like, that's bullshit. Like, the snakes don't care. A new a new setup is a new setup is a new setup. It's it's foreign. But then when I noticed with a green tree that I had moved into a bigger tub, like a Python portal setup from something smaller, immediately went off food, uh, just clearly was not settling in well. But if I move it back to that smaller tub, went right back to how it was doing before ate great did everything and finally i was like well let me at least try it i moved it back into the python portal and took the paper towel from that smaller tub and put it in there went right back to food like 
completely different. Like it had never nice. left. It was, it was, yeah, it's, it's weird. And so even now when I do like betting changes too, so like if I upgrade something into something bigger and they're getting more betting, I'll still take two handfuls, three handfuls of that old betting from that older tub and, and sprinkle it in there with the new stuff. Yeah, you got it. You got to do it. Man. And it's, I think it's like, they know it's something new, but I think it's also like now they're like, oh, wait, there's more space. And it's the same space that I was in before, if that makes. Or even if it just smells like home. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, everything is different. And there's all these new smells. There's all this new visual stimulus, but it still smells like me. So mm-hmm. I guess it's OK. You know? Yeah. Uh, who knows? Maybe we're thinking too much def- about I think it. There's def- no, I think there's definitely something to it, you know? No, yeah, yeah, I know there's something to it, but I just, if you and I are on the same page as to what it actually is, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? The um, I'm actually really excited. I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish this healing enclosure and then... Um, How much more do you have to go on that? I've, I've just been procrastinating stuff. You know, I, mean, I could have did it in a day. It's just like taking... I, I'm having a hard time telling myself and my friends that do really, really nice naturalistic vivs, like my friend Chris from work, who I always talk about, and uh, Dustin Gron, and those types of people that build these amazing enclosures, they're telling me the same thing. Stop trying to do it in a day. Take your time. Do it right. You know, you're going to change your mind about some stuff. You're going to modify some stuff, and it'll be worth it in the end. But my problem is I don't want to do that. I want to wake up at like nine in the morning on a Sunday and have that sucker done and ready for Instagram by dinner time. <laughs> you know what I mean? So with this healing enclosure, I have been taking my time and like I started looking at different rocks and like how I'm going to do the excavator clay. And I bought more excavator clay. And I bought some pea gravel and I want to kind of play around with that a little bit. And then I got the LED lights going, but the LED lights are like the wrong Kelvin and I can't get it nice and i'm i'm being really picky about it meanwhile at the same time the healing monster's like dude i'm still in this fucking tub get me the fuck out of this fucking yeah. tub you know so i mean she's eating and pooping and drinking and fine but like i still feel bad you know yeah how you doing on that there number nine just burn myself um it's delicious Oh, I had one of the worst cigars I've ever had in my life a couple oh, nights ago. Do tell, do tell. So Esteban Carreras, who who puts out some good stuff. They have the Covenant, which is probably one of their best, if not their best, in my opinion. Uh, they got that Devil's Hand Corojo that just came out. They've got the uh, Chupacabra, which I've talked about. It's a nice cigar. They have Great one name. that's called the uh, Soga, and it's like six fifty. So it's not anything crazy. I wasn't expecting greatness by any means, but for six fifty, I was like, let's give it a shot. No flavor whatsoever. That thing was like oh. smoking a paper towel tube. Oh, that stinks. Dried out my mouth. Really? Just it was I have not had a bad, bad cigar like that in a while, but that thing was That's rough. a shame. So the moral of the story is Spend the extra dollar and get the uh, Nika Rustica Adobe or Broadleaf, which Phil smoked some of those. He had you had at least one of those Adobe's at Daytona, right? I did. It was delicious. It's such a good cigar for the money. It's yeah, phenomenal. Oh yeah, that's become like my go-to. It's become like my daily my daily smoker. 
they don't disappoint. Smoked one earlier today. Nice. It's tasty. Very nice. <clears throat> Hello. Oh, we have a visitor? It's Katie. What's up, Katie? She said, hey. Hey. She can't hear you. It's not a it's not a microphone. It's a headphone. <laughs> she wants to know what the wedding plan is. Oh, I have no idea. Ask my fiance. He has no idea. Ask oh, you have to hear. You can hear him. <laughs> there you go. Leave the important decisions up to the women folk. Yeah. She just shakes her head in disappointment. Don asked if it's a normal pattern silver or a blonde. Uh, the one I got from Nemo. Yeah. So yeah. So all right. So right now I've got a 2020 uh, silver standard H pattern that is het for blonde, and then my, I have an albino H pattern that is also het for blonde. And then I have a silver H pattern that is het for albino and blonde. But that that smaller one I was just talking about, I don't trust any of the lineage. I don't trust it at all because I got it from some Joe Schmo at a at a local reptile show. And the guy had no idea what he was talking about. I don't even think he produced it. I think somebody else did and he just flipped it. Um, so I'm very excited, but I thought it was a boy. And it, the shed that I just got from it says girl. So I'm going to start collecting every shed and just checking every shed and go from there. Because I know they're super easy to pop, but I just, I don't want to pop sub box. I just, I watch people do it and I watch their tail bend and like, I just, it weirds me out. And I could probe it, but look, if it's a girl, awesome. Just give me a reason to buy another one. You know what I mean? And if it's a boy, rock and roll, I'm set up. I got a trio. So, and I figure, uh, Probably because I don't know if I'm going to do the whole Christmas thing. I haven't decided yet because it's South Florida and it's hot all the time, every day of my life. Um, I may try Christmas, and pair them up Christmas in spring, thing. you know, but Christmas rat snakes breeding subox in winter. Are they winter breeders? No, but that's they, they can be. If they, you can, they can. They can be. No. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things of like uh, pairing them up in, in autumn, you know, doing that kind of thing. And then people are saying, well, no, you pair them in summer. So that way you have babies by Christmas. Okay. You know what I mean? There's like there's like three or four different ways of thinking. And I'm probably fucking that up in some degree. Um, but I figure by springtime 2024, he'll be more than ready to pair to the Nemo female. And uh, and we'll just take it from there. See how it goes. Yeah, I've been trying to get better at popping. I popped the uh, all four of the Bairds this morning. Because at least a pair of those are going to go to Joe Peck. We're trading. I'm trading cool. some bears for some corns, some castagna stuff. Ooh. Shocking. And uh, well, it's not. It was, he had so he had uh, some apricot stuff, which is castagna and ultramel that we had talked about a couple months ago. And he was like, you know, I got an extra. I got this male laying around. I don't really have any use for him. I know you're into castagna. If you want them, let me know. And then we got to talking. He had some more stuff, and I was like, I'll give you a, you know a pair of bears um, if you want to trade straight up and he said sure yeah. so i told him i hadn't sexed any of them yet so i popped him this morning 
uh, and it looks like it's 1.3. The problem is when the males pop and that they're like they pop the, like they're supposed to, it's yeah. very obvious that they're males. But it's the females that I constantly question because it's like, what if it's a male and I just couldn't get it to do do its thing? Of course. So I think at least two of those are for sure females. But there's one in particular of the three that pop female where that tail, like the housing is awfully thick compared to the other two females. And just I tried to pop it again. I tried popping it twice and I couldn't get anything come out the second time either. So I was like, I know for sure I have one male because there was one that I popped and like both those things were like, bling, like they popped right out. It was like a jack in the box. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, perfect. There we go. So I was like, the other one should be this easy if they're males too, because they just came right out. Like very little effort, didn't have to put a lot of pressure, no big deal. Because like I've watched Jake do it, and Jake's like, Rah! like, I know it's painful. He's like, dude, that's he's like, that's that's, that's how it works. And I'm like, ah, maybe that's the reason I'm so I'm not good at it is because I'm trying to yeah. be gentle with them. Yeah. Because I also feel like it's not something that should require that much force. Yeah, I just I it's can't soft get tissue. It should not be that I difficult. Know. And I've done it a bunch, man. I'm not good at it. It freaks me out. I'd, I'd honestly rather probe stuff. I've probed so many things that it just I'd rather mm-hmm. just do that. But your shed trick, man, that shit's like gangbusters. That That's shit not trick. my shed trick. That shed trick is uh, Travis uh, Stu Tennyson's. Oh, really? Well, yeah. kudos to him for sure. But uh, uh I found though that that it's it's more reliable with with older animals, at least most of the time. With younger ones, I don't know. I haven't I haven't really paid attention because most of the time when my stuff sheds, they they break it in half and it's like yeah, that's they, they have it all have, bunched up and it's yeah, you, know. you got to have it right. And then the whole blood spot thing that I'm a firm believer, like you said, has got to be something to do with kind of I don't want to say menstrual cycle or something, but that i've only seen on year or older animals mm-hmm. but the whole being flat or broken or it's flat or open on mm-hmm. neonates dude that's that shit's works every time for yeah. me really but I mean, i've only been doing it with colubrids so well i mean that's the only thing i've really done that with because any morelia and stuff that's a male after a certain period of time you're going to get plugs and they're going to be yeah. obvious you know yeah well like the serastes i can't get a normal shed because By the time I find it, it's just a ball of sand and skin, Mm -hmm. you know, because it comes off hydrated and then the sand just turns it to stone. Um, The wrinkles, it's they all look exactly the same. And I know, obviously, I I know I have the sex ratio that I have um, because I've probed them. But (laughs) honestly, did you not send the, the Serasti sheds to be sexed genetically? I'm sure we could, but I mean, you just look I at you. You look at them; you can tell. It's uh, just, yeah, those. I mean, they're fairly obvious. They're kind of yeah. like puffs, right? Where it's like it's, it's nowhere female, very obviously a puff. Or it's a nowhere near as clear cut as Bittus. I mean, Bittus, you could f- look at one from across a parking lot and know if it's a boy or a girl. Um, these, I had to literally hold deli cups up and like compare and contrast. And when you have a pair, you're like, oh shit, look at the difference. But if you're just looking at an individual animal one at a time, it, it's tricky for me. It's kind of like kind of like rattlesnakes. I mean, you look at enough rattlesnakes, you can tell which one's hennish. You know what I mean? 
I mean, I haven't got to that point with rattlesnakes, but like, I'm sure someone like Kyle, Kyle could look at any baby rattlesnake and be like, girl, boy, girl, boy, girl, boy. It's crazy because I've sent Kyle pictures of rock rattlers that I didn't get from him. And he's like, oh, that's a boy. Oh, that's a girl. Yeah. Send me another, send me another picture of that one because it kind of looks like a girl. And I send him like a different angle. He's like, oh, yeah, that's a girl. And then sure as hell. I wish it was that easy with all of them. I know, right? With everything. I don't know the shed thing, though. That one wild caught corn that I have really threw me for a loop because it probed female. It shed female. And then after when I couldn't figure it out or maybe it probed male and then it shed female. And I could not. I was like, I don't know what gives like I can't figure out what this thing's supposed to be. So I put it with a female a proven female and then a proven male just to see if I got a reaction. And it wasn't until I put it in with a female that I was like, Oh, that's a boy. Because as soon as I put him in with that ladies on female, he was like, let's go. Nice. Nice. I put him in with another male. He freaked out. Like he was like, Oh really? Strange. It was interesting because you know, most people they'll keep groups together, you know, as far as corns go. But it's like, if you put a smaller male corn in with a bigger male corn, I'd notice a difference in behavior where that smaller male wants to get out of that tub like quick it's weird like yeah. there's no it's odd because i mean there's no like there's no combat there's none of that stuff that you would see in like other species but that younger male just wants to get out of dodge interesting yeah it was, it was odd <clears throat> but yeah that one's definitely a male and now i'm like i don't know what to pair him to because i'm Thought about pairing the ladies island female, but I've got other stuff. I want to plant uh, pair her next year to one of her offspring from 2021. Um, but that male man, he's so nice. I don't know. I don't want to not pair him to something, but yeah. See, that's kind of why. Just going going back to my Bogartofa's addiction, I was just reading Gallagher's thing about how he, he loves uh, normal H pattern silvers. I'm I, I'm not an albino guy. I'm honestly I'm not a blonde guy, and I really love the yeah, silver I'm not look. Either you I know, love it, the silvers. Yeah, silver it, and that's that's kind of what I want to focus on. And so I got this albino uh, River Road uh, from David Powell, awesome animal. But I'm super excited to see the offspring because Eve. I know that Eve with my silver male, regardless of what genetics he has in there. When I pair him to that albino, the hets are going to be screaming. They're going to look great, and that I think that was what I'm most excited about. Of all, like of all, like my future years from now pairings mm-hmm. that I'm going to do, that one I think has the, me the most excited, just because I have no idea what's going to come out. Yeah, I'm man. I don't know how. Well, I mean, I know how, but this year was supposed to be a lighter year for me as far as breeding goes how it happens man i've been frankly overwhelmed the last handful of weeks with my room and everything in it and I rodents and everything and i was in the shower a couple nights ago that's where i do all my deep thinking contemplation i call it i call it the think tank nice uh and i was just standing there and i was like i want to pair stuff next year but then I was like, 
thinking about this year. And I was like, I need to be more choosy about what I'm pairing. And it's not that I haven't been choosy about it up until now. But I was just like, I don't like being overloaded with babies. Yeah. Like, it's really stressful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about guys like like Alan at Rock Creek and Jeff Bong and, you know, Eric Westmoreland who crank out a ton of babies every year. And I'm just like, I can't. Like that, well, it's it's also I love having, it, but it sounds exhausting. It, it's also having a venue to disperse them. The fortress I, of Smittytude. <laughs> nice, Nate. <laughs> nice. I feel like it, it's it's having a, a venue to disperse them, whether it be wholesaling them or giving them to youth organizations or friends or what have you. And I feel like the same way that you have to plan on how you're going to do your pairings and how you're going to do your feedings, you got to plan on what you're going to do the, the this it's a question that everyone knows they have to ask themselves and they don't want to is what if no one wants these things mm-hmm. you know and like i know so i paired puff adders intentionally during some low pressure systems i got some some intertwining but i didn't see definitive locks mm-hmm. so in theory it would be say august september october november december january february so in theory february march i would have a litter and this is this is kwazulu natal locality so it's small smaller species so realistically thank you don realistically 10 ish 10 ish to 15 ish litters right but then what do i do with them mm-hmm. because it's not it's 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 not like the golden days where I could just give away babies to friends, right? Especially in Florida, most of the wholesalers by me don't do venomous anymore. So that means I'm going to have to sell them out of state. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to do airfare and all of that, or probably go to a show. Dare I say, Columbia or Ham or whatever? Or do I just hold them all back and just have an army of puff adders? I don't know, right? You know? And, and and I know it, it may sound like I'm counting my eggs before I own a chicken. You know, mm-hmm. but I have you, it's you, ha- you, you have, have to think, think about. about. Yeah, you, yeah. you got to think about that stuff. You know, because it's not just a corn snake that I can wholesale. You know, well, Jeff said we could all use to be a little more selective in our pairings. Aside from supply and demand, it's just responsible. And yeah, and nothing like there wasn't anything I did this year that wasn't selective. It's just the more I thought about it, where it's like I, the issue is, is that female double clutching. Yeah. That's where the stress comes in. Like, if I had just had what I have currently, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But with the second clutch of like 10 or 11 eggs hatching soon, it's like, oh my God. And I wasn't planning for that. You know, I, I, I'm prepared. Like, I have the ability to handle another clutch. Like, I have all the tubs and stuff. That's not an issue. But um, I don't know. It's just the thought of like, I bred that that pair that gave me those hypo babies that was that that pied blood red male to the ghost tesser female and that was because i lost that pied blood red female that was supposed to go to him because that was given to me from by jeremy thompson you know it was like a special project a special pair that he sent me and i lost the female and i feel like an idiot because that happened even though it wasn't really in my control um but i bred those because it's like i don't i want to be able to carry on the lineage of that animal but then i'm also now looking at the point of like 
I'm going to hold back like probably two animals of those 22. Yeah. It's like, did I, is it really worth it to produce 22 animals to be able to hold on to two to then raise up for the next four, three or four years? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the Castagna stuff, like the Castagna Motley, like I don't regret that pairing at all. I don't regret any of the pairings, but you know, I'm, I got three of those I'm holding back for sure. Uh, but it's like I still have a handful of those that need to, you know, find homes. And well, you could also do the whole just, skip a year thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. You skip a year, man. You know, don't skip a year on the Ganyos and stuff. But oh, for sure, skip like, a year on stuff that wouldn't happen. But like next year, I don't want to skip next year, at least because of the next step in the ladies island line breeding thing of like pairing a male back to the female that produced it like i definitely want to do that but then i have chris gave me a pied blood red female to go with that male that i could reasonably skip next year i think she could probably actually if she took a year off it wouldn't be a bad thing he gave me a coral ghost aztec female that she's really nice i have no idea what i'm going to pair to her like I could go so many different routes there and that's part of the overwhelming part of it is like, yeah, I could do so much with that, but it's like what makes the most sense. And you can't really ask people that because you're going to get a different answer from every person you talk to. Like one person is yeah. going to be like, pair that to us, you know, that had sunkissed male. Cause she's had sunkissed, which would be awesome. Like I love sunkissed stuff. I've got a honey pair that I've been raising up for the last two or three years that I want to put together next year. Like I've got the pair from Lee Abbott that I got, you know, the year yeah. we ended Daytona, like oh, I've been yeah. waiting on those. So it's, it's so hard to say I can pair these this year, but I'm going to skip. I'm going to give them another year. Yeah. And you've been waiting and I get it, it. It's a little different when you have to wait, like with the green trees, you know, knowing that if you pair them and they're, they're too young or they're, they're, legitimately too small that you're gonna kill that animal like that makes it a no-brainer it's like obviously sure, that's not sure. gonna happen. but it's really hard when you've got corns in particular you've been raising up and you're like next year's the year for them am i gonna do it or am i gonna skip yeah you know and then bairds i think next year i'm gonna take take a year off of bairds and see i was gonna say to not skip on the bairds because that's a species that's always in demand Regardless of monetary value, it's always in demand by somebody. My right. only regret with those this year was not doing the Loma Altas together again. But yeah, I think those though those could could she could use to have a year off. Um, and I'm not talking about stuff like that where the animal deserves a year off. I'm talking about stuff. Oh yeah, that no, has sure. never bred or whatever. Right. right. And like I look at some of the stuff that I'm going to probably pair next year, like for example, those Viclerano Hondurans is part of a, a long line project that him and myself and Billy have committed to. I have to at least produce one clutch to see what the next step is. Even if I give all those babies back to him to kind of sort it through and figure out what he wants to do, it that that's got to happen. So like because of this program that we we've decided to do, um, Mexican Black Kings. I figure I'll do it. I've never done it. I figure I'll do it once, which will probably be next year. And if, and there, these are like primo specific locality collected in the seventies. I don't even freaking remember, but if people don't want them, I give them away to friends and call it a day. And then I don't do it ever again because I'm not a 
huge Mexican black king guy. I just have them because I think they're cool. Um, Subbox is easy. I just going to keep every single one forever. That's fine. Um, <laughs> and that's that's like that's fine and dandy until you have a ton of animals. Exactly. Like, yeah, I know. I joke. That's I joke. The issue I run into because it's like I would love to hold on to everything indefinitely until I'm like that for sure is staying. That for sure can go. That's staying. That can go. You know, kickball style. Yeah. Uh, but it's easier said than done because when you realize that things got to eat yeah which that's not nearly as much of an issue for me with the rats and stuff now as it was you know two years ago whatever um but it's but to the average joe you could double a collection in a year yeah and that's that's a lot yeah. man you know and like I, the same way that you got abbott okatees i got abbott okatees dude we've been raising them for what three years now two yeah. years now two years at least dude like i gotta do it man i gotta freaking yeah. do it and i feel like i'm i you and i won't have a problem rehoming them to for lack of a better word because of what they are but my pair of broward county south florida corns that are normal-ish looking i mean they don't look like normal corns they don't but they're not true miami phase they're not crazy no, but they are good-looking snakes. Like they They're are very right. cool-looking corns. So I'd I be would, interested to see what those produce. Exactly, and I'm going to do it once. And if people are interested, great. And if I don't do it ever again, I don't do it ever again. Mm-hmm. Oh well, you know. Yeah, and that's that's part of my issue. Like this stress, it doesn't have to be stressful, right? Uh, because I I I have put zero effort into putting any of these things out for availability, and it's mostly just because I just haven't had the time to do it. Um, frankly, the thought of selling on morph market sounds exhausting. And I, I understand that's not the only avenue. I don't think it's as exhausting as if you had like, let's say Matt Most's collection, that could be exhausting. But I feel I like, mean, ex- I mean, exhausting, not in like the posting and stuff like that. I'm oh, okay. about exhausting in the fact of like, I know I'm going to have people message me and I know that like maybe one out of 10 of those are actually going to follow through. Yeah. And well, like, I understand it. You're not just because someone messages, messages you about something you have for sale does not mean they are obligated to buy it. But right. at the same time, I have seen enough screenshots from people as of late you know, in multiple groups that I'm in, like friend groups and stuff, circles that it's like the same song and dance just with different people where like they're asking the same questions and it's like, then they just disappear. And it's like, I don't, that's, that just sounds exhausting to me. It's like, I don't. Yeah. Tire kickers, man. Cause we're also it. getting to the point now, like come November, like mid November, like once we hit Thanksgiving, I don't ship again until like mid January. Oh Yeah. Because that holiday season, like anytime yeah. from like Thanksgiving past New Year's, like I'm not even gonna bother. It's not yeah. gonna happen. It's too crazy. Yeah. Uh, so now it's like. Well, I saw with oh. all this new morph market photo stuff. And I know we've had several different friends and several different groups complain about one thing or another in regards to photographs and and group group animals and pictures of the individual specimen for sale and and how daunting that can be at times, depending on what you're doing. Are you, I keep seeing this. Are you only 
allowed one photo per post or can you put like four or five photos on each post? No, you can put multiple pictures. Okay, because everything that I've looked at for myself, like not 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 selling, shopping, it's all just one photo. It could be, I don't know if it's a plan limit or not, like if you have to be okay. paying for a certain tier to get multiple pictures. But as far as I know, like when I had just the, the basic free plan, like you could put, I think, at least two or three pictures per post. Yeah, yeah, because that just made sense to me because I feel like a lot of the stuff I'm looking at, the photo is very generic. And like, especially like mm-hmm. if I'm looking at Subox and I want to see scalation and like, I'm not this master breeder, I'm a straight up hobbyist, but I still want to look and see exactly what I'm getting. You right. can't just give me one picture of the first third of the animal. You know what I mean? Like what, what the hell is that? So. Yeah. I don't, I mean, since the, since the changes that have been made to morph market across the board, big and small, um, I don't know. Just overall, it seems like I've been hearing from people that use it as a selling platform and as like their main selling platform that it is it has kind of become a net negative in terms of like user experience, customer experience, like dealing yeah. with buyers. It just does not seem like it's gotten better. It's amazing how it makes me how, makes me not want to sell on there. Yeah, but uh, I'll tell you what. It's still, in my personal opinion. As much as I loved kingsnake.com, as much as I painfully used Fauna, because it hasn't changed since fucking 1998. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it's a freaking nightmare to n- navigate. And then I have to get the Tapa Talk app because I'm lazy and don't want to filter through all the nonsense, right? Morph Market is brilliant. It's a brilliant website. It's a fantastic app. I love the way they did it, the layout, the menus. It's freaking awesome awesome but there's too many people complaining about issues man and i feel like it hit its peak and now it's that line graph that that line graph is just crashing man i don't want to see that happen because i feel like it's an amazing platform but there's just too much nonsense that's corresponding with it you know i'm also starting to wonder if i'd be better off just on like the thn site or something putting a page with availability where all of us yeah put our stuff there because morph market has become the standard for selling there's a ton of people on there there's a ton of corn snakes on there and so it's one of those things where it would it be easier and better if i just put stuff that i had for sale on the thn page and be like this is where you can go to find it instead of having to sift through yeah endless listings yeah because i know like especially in corns and like i don't even know what it's like with with ball pythons but i can only imagine you post a listing and it's gone like as soon as you post it it's already on page three like with as many animals as they have on there yeah um I don't know. And I think Billy said that he's he's done that where he's put stuff on his website and pretty much. Well, that's that's what he's doing. Yeah, he's using it worked out really well for him. Yeah, he's using Morph Market for a few key things. But the majority of Billy's availability is on his website, you know, and same thing with Owen. Owen's website is he crushes it on his website. So, yeah, I just think that it, it it's very easy to get lost in the in the stream of of ads and stuff going on morph market. And again, it's, you know, it's become the standard and I think that's great. Uh, I think John did a hell of a job getting it to where it, it was and agreed. Who knows what's going to happen now? Um, you know, we've talked about it 
sort of behind the scenes a little bit. Like my outlook on, on morph market has changed since the switch. You know, I was, I was very optimistic at first, um, probably to a, to a detriment actually. Cause I, now I just, I'm not as excited about it as I was, you know, now, like, again, like I'm, I'm almost dreading having to use it because of where it's at currently, you know? Yeah. And I, and like, here's my thing. I don't want to talk ill of it because it's not bad. And, and none of the things they've done are bad per se. It's, I feel like there's drama that's corresponded with or associated with it. Yeah. You know, it's people uh, having discipline, trying to find the right words to use. People are annoyed with policy change. People are annoyed with things not being maintained the way that they expect it to. People are annoyed with the lack of communication. You know, we've got friends sending us screenshots of like, hey, I had questions about this and it took them days to respond. They didn't respond. They had to send another message. And it's like, what, what are we doing? You know what I mean? This is a major business community. So, yeah. I mean, I feel especially for the guys that that do it full time and or almost full time, you know, uh, you know, Westmoreland, the guys that do it full time, like it, it's most definitely a tool that you almost have to use at that level. Yeah. Um, just for the sake of, of getting stuff out there in front of eyeballs. But I don't know. Yeah. It's it's starting to sound like at least from talking to Billy uh, and I think one or two other people that I, I can't think of off the top of my head right now, but they were doing something similar where they just started posting stuff on a website. And I know there's a couple people that have asked about setting up a website for that very fact of like, I want to put my availability there and just make it easy. Yeah. It's like the only animals you're seeing for sale are the ones that you have for sale. It's not, yeah. you know, 200 other people across the country. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe that's the route people are going to start going. Like maybe that's the, the direction things are going to shift to. Yeah. Especially now that there are so many, because online shopping has exploded the way that it has, there are so many easy, relatively inexpensive shopping website providers. So you can literally, you're not buying an, angel fire website you know what i mean or GoDaddy, right. where you're literally typing code over and over shopify again now dude dude shopify you like, can set up websites yeah. so easily now you have you don't have to have any coding experience whatsoever i have zero coding experience and exactly. i built sites on wordpress i built sites on shopify i've built sites on um what was the other one squarespace squarespace yeah like they've all made it very easy to where it's it's literally drag and drop kind of stuff yeah, um, and I don't know a line of code, but couldn't tell you a one if my life depended on it. Yeah, um, it's definitely not what it was, you know, twenty five years ago. Yeah, um, but I I think that's kind of the the ebb and flow is like people are going to start moving elsewhere as far as marketplaces go. They're either going to make their own or they're just going to go to some of the other ones that are now cropping up, which to me the other marketplaces that are now starting to come about as a direct response to the whole morph market thing. Um, that's not a surprise to me at all. Like as soon as I started seeing complaints and stuff coming in about, about morph market and all the changes and stuff, I was like, we're going to see more marketplaces show up now. Like there's going to be yeah. a direct response where people are going to start basically trying to do the same thing, but the way it 
they see that it should be. <clears throat> well, there was there was but, another one at Daytona, right? Yeah, there's there's those, like those, two or those three lanyards. Now. They they were giving away. Um, yeah, the lanyards. Yeah. I can't remember what the company was, but I think it was Repticart. Was it? Which is what that was a website that Mike from Reptiles Express had for a while because I was doing some live streams for it. Okay. And it was like an auction, not not really an auction site, but like a classified site. And I guess it just never really took off, but I, I don't know. But these marketplaces popping up as a direct response to what's been going on as far as Morph Market yeah. goes. But the issue I see there is it's almost like Morph Market has now been so cemented in terms of the standard for, for selling platforms that it's like other social media networks popping up trying to compete with Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Like you're going to get people that are like, yeah, I'm going there. I'm going to rumble. It's going to be awesome. Or Vero. You remember Vero? No. And everyone was like, Oh, I'm going on Vero. It's like, this is cool, but this is not the same. It's like, it's, it's yeah. like trying to tell everyone to leave a party to go to a smaller, more shitty party. And it's like, you're not going to do it. People aren't going to do it. And it's going to be really tough. Like, I don't know exactly what you would have to do to be able to get to the same level that Morph Market has has gotten to, uh, other than like make the interface sexier, make the overall experience sexier. Like that would require an absolute pile of money, I think, to be able to do. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. We'll see. I mean, there's time will tell. I think uh, the solo website thing is going to start coming back. It seems to be kind of the trend. So, yeah. So Patrick said, "Are y'all familiar with the auctions they are doing to benefit UARC every week?" I am not. Most of the complainers were not the best to buy from. If you're lazy, if you're a lazy poster, I probably don't trust you know how to keep your animals. Yeah, and there's something to be said for that too. Like if someone just wants to put up a picture and then put like the bare minimum of information of like, "Yep, this is a snake, hundred bucks. I know what I have." Yeah. yeah that i get um it's you know for me again it's just like i i know i'm gonna start posting on morph market again and i'm gonna start getting a bunch of bullshit messages from people that i'm i'm gonna be fairly certain aren't actually gonna follow through uh because the last time i actually had stuff on morph market wasn't it was a couple weeks ago it wasn't even that long ago and i had someone message me about a corn snake and they were like i want that snake you know, they asked some questions. I gave them, and I was like, "Okay, you know, this is the price. This is it with shipping. You know, um, what's your PayPal?" They ghosted me. They read it. It was it was seen. They just disappeared. And it's like, man, they I don't even know. have the they don't even have the common courtesy to say, "Hey, man, that's more than I was looking to spend." But thanks for reaching back. Thanks for thanks for reaching out. Like, yeah. Like I've done that. I've done that where I, I thought an animal was X amount, and they're like, I thought it was going to be $100. And they're like, actually, man, uh, so this animal's 300 blah, blah, blah. And I say, hey, I really appreciate you you know, responding to me, but that's more money than I was looking to spend right now, but I appreciate it. It's a great-looking animal. Have a great day. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. and we're, it's, we're in a very odd time in that regard where it's like if someone messages someone about an animal, they feel compelled or maybe even semi-obligated to buy that animal – and the buyer gets or seller gets upset when they don't. But it's yeah. like I've said it from the beginning, like long before the morph market started happening, the you know, all the changes and stuff. It's like that's you're gonna have like tire kickers are gonna be a thing. Like you're it's gonna called have shopping. It's gonna be yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's called, called shopping. shopping. 
Yeah. It's going to happen. You're there's no avoiding it. It's going to exist no matter how hard you try. If you especially if you don't put all the information. Like if you don't put a price, you're obviously going to have a bunch of people telling asking you how much it is. And then yeah. when you tell them, they're just going to disappear. And I've said this before. I know you've said this before. But when someone posts, especially on Instagram, because you can't buy on Instagram, you can't advertise on Instagram, serious inquiries only. That makes my skin boil because not only are you basically saying you can't afford it, peons, you are asking people who are seriously inquiring to reach out to you. And then when you post the price and they say, wow, that's a lot of money or they don't say anything at all, you can't get upset. Now, at the same time, I think it's very distasteful for someone who who uh, inquires about an animal, and let's say in their mind they thought it was going to be a 1000 bucks, and they've been out of the game for a while, and the market value of that animal is 3000 bucks. Don't be that guy or gal who says, $3,000? What are you, crazy? Yeah. That's so expensive. Like, have some class have some cooth well that's that's what i was getting at like with with the the times we're in right now man it's so bizarre because there's like this weird thing where like buyers are getting their feelings hurt very easy or sellers are getting their feelings hurt very easily buyers seem to have completely lost or never even had any sense of like professionalism and yeah, like it's, it's the manners. manners. I don't. Yeah. It's just strange because it's like I don't want to be that guy. Where if I message someone and I'm interested, like I'm curious about something they're selling, it's like I probably won't buy it because I'm. But I'm just curious. Someone's selling a Jansen. I. What are you asking on it? You know. Yeah. I'm not. You know. I'll tell them flat out. It's like okay. I was just curious. Thanks. You know. Exactly. It's nice. Like I'm just yeah. just wondering. Um, yeah. You know, Preston Converse. I just he posted some stuff that he had for sale on Instagram yesterday in a story. He had like some corns and some beards and stuff. I was like, what, what corns you got? Not that I need any more. Right. And right. then I remembered because he said locality corns. I remember he had a lot of Devil's Garden stuff that he was doing doing things with. And so I was like, you know, I told him flat. I was like, I'm just curious. Like, I'm not I don't need it's like if anything, I want you to buy corns for me because I have <laughs> nobody <laughs> yeah, to get yeah, rid yeah. of. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it's just it's it's just so strange where we're at with that because the the thing that boggles my mind about the 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 buyer part of it too is how similar all the messages are across the board no matter who they're from it's almost like the same conversation on repeat and i don't understand where it started or where it came from but it is just eerie to me that the same thing happens with complete strangers on a regular basis with multiple sellers selling different things the questions are the same, and then the ghosting is the same. Yeah, the whole thing is just odd. Where it's yeah. like, at what point did this become the no- like? What, what, you, what, what did this what I think a thing? It it's odd because I feel like I, it never was a thing like that. Like there no, was a point where people would be like, "Thanks, moving on," or yeah, it's just it's well, weird. All right, so so what I've what I've noticed, and because I work in retail sales as my day job. What I've noticed is with less and less physical sales being done in our day-to-day lives, we have so much internet access and so much internet shopping. If you don't like what the person says, you can just ghost them. 
it's the internet yeah they're never yeah. they don't know who you are you're never going to see them ever again and it, what do you care you know you you can be rude it's the internet while as if that person was walking into a physical brick and mortar store they may still say wow that's really expensive that's crazy uh, your guys are so expensive they may be rude like that or they may just say oh wow it's more money the shop all the time yeah it's more money than i thought it was they're not just gonna literally not respond turn around and walk out the store they're going to yeah. say something. They're going to interact to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Or then they may say, hey, you know, thanks. That's more money than I thought it was. But, you know, hey, have a nice day. And then they'll walk out of the store. They're yeah. not just going to be like, oh, yeah, it's $2,000. Crickets. Crickets. Mm-hmm. Turn around and leave. Like, that's just not going to. That doesn't happen like that in, in the real world. But on the Internet, they can. Because what do they care? Well, Jeff brings up a good point. He said, I always say it's not your price. It's my budget. You know, the animal is clearly valuable. Yeah. And that's a, that's, that's a great way to put it. Um, yeah. Again, it's a two way street, and it's just if you're gonna sell stuff, but you're not gonna put prices, or you're gonna put like the serious inquiries only thing. Again, it, it you know just like you, it just makes me giggle because it's like okay, I'm just not gonna inquire. Yeah. Because yeah. a, I mean, it's probably something I have zero desire to keep, but it's also something that I probably can't afford, and so it's like I'm not gonna bother. I don't want to be that guy. It's not going to be like, oh, you're selling Bowens. Uh, how much are you selling them for? And then them tell me and be like, oh, well, okay, cool, thanks. I was just wondering. Like, well, see, I, I've, I've slipped into it on accident where there was, like, let's say um, a girdle tail species, right? And this is a girdle tail species that in the past I would buy from the importer for, I don't know, 100 bucks. And I saw that captive bred babies were going for 250 or 300 bucks. So I, I'm expecting it to be around that. These are you know, long-term yeah, captive yeah. adults, whatever. So they put, you know, serious inquiries only. And I'm like, all right, cool. Just because people probably think it's a cheap lizard because nobody knows what it is. You know, mm-hmm. Super niche. So I inquire, say, hey, I saw you posted, you know, Cordillas, blah, blah, blah. You know, what are they going for? Oh, well, it's uh, $2,200 for 1.2. And I almost said, what the hell are you, are you smoking crack? Like, you know what I mean? But then I take my time and I, I say back. that I just don't type it. Yeah, it, well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and and then I notice and I think to myself, OK, they haven't been in the country in seven, eight years. There's none available. They're not bringing any in. These are captive bred and long term captives. So, yeah, they've now is dictated. It that crazy. Yeah. It, is it that crazy? They've now dictated the market price. And and yep. that's where I have to suck up my old man attitude and and just roll with him and say stuff like what jeff said hey man that's that's awesome that's a great looking pair but mm-hmm. that's more than i was looking to spend right now i appreciate it anyway thank you it's almost like you know what it reminds me of and i, I remember thinking about this not that long ago it was like it's almost like breaking up with someone yeah yeah, like, yeah. you you don't want to flat out tell them you want to yeah. find some bullshit way to do it where you're like it's not you it's me yeah. no know. but, it, but that's, like the, that's the truth people just don't want to let someone down yeah that's the that's truth like, i'm not gonna pay two thousand dollars for a 300 hour lizard i'm not gonna but if that's that's my personal opinion you know what i mean yeah but so, like the whole let me ask my wife is like oh it's dude, not you it's me, me thing dude they that's do that in is. my like, they, they do that they in my retail store it's like oh let me go ask the boss it's like well Never see them again. You see them hop in their car, drive away. Like, yeah. Well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? All right. Let's right. Let's assume that the guy isn't a a, a a whipped a whipped little wuss, right? And he's fearful of his wife's wrath. Let's assume that he has a good relationship with his wife, and they communicate about their finances and spending money, right? Like like we do. Mm-hmm. 
if you're shopping for something, I would like to hope that you've already communicated yeah. with your wife if it's that much of an expense. And if it's not, let's say you went in looking for something that was $20 and you saw something that was 500 and you're like, oh shit, I didn't even know that that was a thing. I'm going to get that. Instead of saying, oh, I got to go ask the old boss. You know, I got to ask the ball and chain. How about you just be like, oh man, that's great. Uh, uh, I'll be back. I'll be back. Yeah. I, I see you have it. I'll, I'll be back. And then go talk to your significant other. You know what I mean? What really kills me, and this is something you don't see on the internet. I have guys come in my shop and they'll ask me the most obscure thing possible just to see if I have it. And because our store specializes in very niche products, I typically do have it. And they're like, do you have one of these? Like all cocky. And I say, well, actually, yeah, I have it right here. Oh, uh, oh okay. All right. Well, um, I got to go. My, my wife's in the car. And it's like, wait, 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 hold on a second. Two things. One, don't play the game if you don't want to play the game. You know what I mean? And second of all, what is with these people? It's mostly men who go shopping to a typically manly store, right? We'll leave it at that. And this is nothing to do with gender. It could be anything. It could be girl, boy, whatever. There's nothing to do about gender. But they leave their significant other in the car. Why wouldn't you just bring your significant so other to the store? See how much you're about to spend. Yeah, but they're not buying anything. You see what I'm saying? They're just shopping. Maybe it's maybe it's they don't want to see what they're looking at. The realm, like in terms of the realm of what they're wanting to spend. If they so bring then, them in but, there, they'll but see then, that. But then that's the ballpark they're in. But then why bring them with you to the sh- to I the store? Know. Maybe they were getting dragged to something else. Who knows? So that's my thing is if you want to go shopping and you don't want your significant other to see what you're buying or know what you're buying to a certain extent, why bring them along? Why leave them in the car? Why not just come on your own on a different time? Like that, I never understood that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too. Jeff brings up good. Terry said, can't relate. Yeah. Shut up, Harry. Mr. My wife will be at Daytona picking up some snakes for me, and then like 20 snakes later, he's like, hey, look at all the cool stuff I got. Dude, Harry's wife cleaned house. She did. She did. Oh, man. Jeff Frederick said, same old questions get a canned response. Thanks for your inquiry. The price of the animal is you know, X. Shipping would be X. I prefer to ship hold at location. I ship Monday through Wednesday. I thank you in advance. You know, he keeps that in his notes app. That's another good good idea. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's good. He also said, I feel like some people need to hear that their prices are high or low. I never feel like it's my place to tell them. Agreed. I'm right there with you on that. And see, I have no problem being like, hey, man, that's more than I was willing to spend. It's a good looking animal, though. And leaving it at that. Because yeah. if enough people say that, then they get the gist wow i'm too high yeah you know yeah that was something we were talking about in the corn snakes group yesterday someone one of the shows that that elizabeth nash was bending in texas um over in chris's neck of the woods might have been the conroe show but there was someone selling some sort of like one-of-a-kind hog nose for like twelve and a half thousand dollars and to me, that's just ridiculous because we see the same thing with chondros. And I'm sorry, at the end of the day, it's still a hog nose. It's still a chondro. Well, I, 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 I understand. I understand the rationale of it. 
but it there's pros and cons to both pros being you may have someone that's like i need that i'll take it here's the black amex you know what i mean like you may have that another pro would be you're the only person at that show with it and people are going to flock to your booth to see it even if they're not buying anything they're still you're still getting exposure it's almost like pr right mm-hmm. it's it's almost like advertising um and then at the same time your cons are you have to put a high enough price to limit the market so that you can control the market and then not have it flood out on you where you lose out. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Nothing is a world's first forever. No, you're right. Nothing is a world's first forever. But if you can maintain a, if you can control market value on a niche thing, for X amount of time to make your money. So that way, when it has been oversaturated, you didn't miss out on a golden opportunity. I totally get it. I said so like Condros in particular. So like, yes, the blue ones are awesome. Yes. The black ones are awesome. The ones that are blue and black are awesome. I, they should be more expensive than imported animals because they are captive bred. Yes, they required some more work getting them established. Like there is that aspect of like they should be worth more because they they required some some legwork. It's just to me when it comes to things like a twelve thousand dollar hog nose, a ten thousand dollar green tree, like there has to be a line where we go like, okay, this is just this is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, like, but give but, me a break. It's but, still a hog nose. It's still a chondro. It, yes, you are correct. However, in, in again going back to my line of work, there are certain things that in, in, inherently cost more. Understandable. There are certain things that don't necessarily cost more, but they have an inherent market value, and there are people willing to pay for it. So. If I have what I believe to be the only one available, not the only one in the world, not the only one in collections, not the only one being bred, but the only one available, I'm going to set market value and I'm going to put it up for $12,000. And you better believe that there are plenty of people out there, not as many as we would all like to be, obviously, but, yeah. but there are plenty of people that are like, oh, 12 grand? Yeah. Fuck it. Here's a credit card. There's going to be more people shopping for Toyotas than there are Lamborghinis. Yes, but at the same time, if... How do I put this? If no one is selling a Toyota in the entire country and you have one, does that mean you should sell it for the $30,000 that it's worth? No. You put it up for sixty. I think it just depends on the person, maybe. I think maybe it's just because I'm, I'm getting older and I'm just... I just want to keep cool snakes, but no, and I totally get, I, I, I totally get what you're saying, man. I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent. But when someone puts an animal up for an exuberant amount of money because it's the only one on the market, go for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Elizabeth talked to that person that had that hog, and I think they were like, "I don't actually want to get rid of it." It was basically a fuck you price where it's like, if someone was willing to pay it, sure. It, exactly. Exactly. They were like, "I don't want to get rid of it." That was just. In the off chance that someone does, like, sure, but I don't want to part with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's crazy, man, because even if there was, like, a corn snake, like, some sort of one-of-a-kind castagna, that would get me all excited, hot and bothered. 
I saw it and it was like 600 bucks, I'd be like, fuck you, man. It's corn snake. Yes. Corn snake. Yes. You're, you're correct. However, I'll use a, I'll use an example here. Okay. In my line of work, my employer has some of his collection on display because it's a really badass collection. And people always ask, Hey, how much for, you know, one of the ones on the left? Oh, they're not for sale. Oh, come on, man. Everything's for sale. Now I know for a fact, the one that they're talking about, my employer paid probably eight to 10 grand for it. He says, Oh yeah, everything's for sale. 50 K. And the person goes, Oh man, you're crazy. You're crazy. That same guy came back three years later said, Hey man, you remember you told me 50 K for that thing. I'll take it right now. He goes, I'm sorry, man. It's not for sale. Well, you told me it was 50 K. He goes, yeah, but now they're all going for 50 K. So now you can have it for a hundred. And you know what? That's, that's a legitimate market value price. That is what it's worth. That was not my employer being a dick. That was not him saying, eh, I don't want to get rid of it. So if you'll pay me enough, I'll get rid of it. No, no. That was what they're going for. How crazy is that? That's market value. And it sucks for normal people. You know what I mean? But at the same yeah. time, one might say it's just X, Y, and Z. And so. I get you could make the argument because when you're talking about things like that, like original artwork to Tan tangible to mind, assets, things yeah. that cannot physically be replicated exactly as they and, were and or die. <laughs> that's 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 going to be open to interpretation. That's going to be subjective. Right. But when we're talking about animals where it's like, okay, there's a, a $10,000 green tree python that's blue, but someone else has some for, from the same lineage for half that. Like, it can be replicated. It can be done. And it yes. probably will be because they're going to drop in value. Like, not blue conjurers in particular, but $12,000 hog noses. Like, yeah. it's not going to be $12,000 forever. Like, give right. it three years. You'll get them for $300. Like, yeah. It's just that's that's kind of where the the breakdown is for me. It's like uh, this isn't, and even if it is a one of a kind thing, like the the pied uh, crested gecko that that Pangea has that they've tried to reproduce and get more of, and they can't. Like it is what it is. Like I just it's still yeah. it's like I don't I don't know. I just have a hard time wrapping my head around it because again, yeah. it's like are we are we keeping snakes or are we trading Yu-Gi-Oh cards? Yeah. What are yeah. just I guess. And yes, maybe I can't afford any of it. But I even though I think even if I had $12,000, there's so much more I could do with that than buy a hog nose. True. But if you have twelve thousand dollars to drop on a hog nose, it's a drop I, in the bucket. It's I like still, you spending a hundred. Still don't think I'd buy a single animal for twelve k. Like you imagine, like what the damage you could do with twelve k. Yeah, but you're across missing the, the board. You're missing the point. The people that have that kind of money is no different than you just dropping fifty bucks on a on a nice dinner. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's just how the other half lives. Yeah. And that's like, there's less of those people in our community, in in our hobby, 
but there's a lot of people out there like that. It's because they're all in condros. <laughs> Maybe. Condros Maybe. and emeralds. Maybe. 15K for <sighs> Ed Marino snowflake animal? Sure. Well, on that note. Different tax brackets than us, Smitty. That's right, Mike. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, to end on an uplifting note, um, my Sundaval's African garter snake is eating every single thing that I put in front of it. Hell and yeah. now I'm worried that it's going to get obese, but I'm not going to care about it until it does. So, But by the time you know it is, it'll already be too late because it'll be obese. <laughs> no, it's going to be a while before it gets obese, but... Uh, now I just got to find uh, a boyfriend for her because I'm pretty sure I'm the only guy in the country right now with one. <laughs> and if somebody out there knows someone who has Sundaval's garter snakes in the U.S. that they're looking to part with for a reasonable amount of money, hit me up. So, Anything else you want to cover tonight, Bubba? Uh, I don't think so. All right. It was a good show. Mm-hmm. Good, good talk. It was... Uh, we're doing corn stars Thursday, so sweet. Looking forward to that. Um, I reckon I'll put some stuff up on the website at some point here soon. Maybe that'll be a weekend project for your Saturday afternoon I'll let, shopping. I'll pleasure. let Jake know. Like we'll set up. I'll put a menu on the THN website that has availability from the gang and have like a page for each of us or something for whoever wants one. And then we can. Hell yeah, brother. I like it. I like it. This episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Facebook, Instagram, or blackboxcages.com. Use that code THN. Theodore. Henry, Ned, use it. THN, save some money. Then go over to fullviasapparel.com. Also use Tim, Harry, Nick, THN at checkout. Again, just for THN listeners and viewers like you. And then Puget Sound Pythons, the fine people in the Pacific Northwest. Hunt them down on Morph Market. Hunt them down on Facebook and Instagram at Puget Sound Pythons. And then cold-blooded caffeine. You're tired. I'm tired. You know what fixes that cold-blooded caffeine right into your veins. I'm going to start talking to Trey about IV bags just filled with cold brew. Nice. We can just just mainline it right there. He's such a classy broad. You know? Um, I need to get up there, dude. He got a fly river turtle. I got to go see that thing. Did he really? Good for him. Did. That's awesome. Maybe that'll be a weekend project. I'll go up there and that's check cool. It out. Man. Yeah. As soon yeah, as he I'm... posted that, I was just like, dude, I gotta come see that thing. Did so he message you about samples? He is not yet. Oh well, they're coming. Oh, they are. Yeah, I don't. He, I don't know if he's shipped them yet, but they're coming. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. Good. Good. More more on that to, to come. Yes, to come. Using my name in phonetics is the biggest compliment I've received today. Nice, Harry. Nice. <laughs> Go Metallica. All right. Rock and roll. Thank you, everybody. We'll see y'all later.
Bye.